Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Presented by Hunting Exchange, a marketplace for serious hunters by serious hunters. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another outro for the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Appreciate y'all tuning in. As always... Just doing a quick little shout out here for our uh, Patreon giveaway program we got going on. Uh, just like we did last month, this month we're giving away a whole bunch of stuff to our Patreon members. Uh, you know, the Patreon members have all kinds of, you know, special perks, as y'all heard on this last call in episode. They got to call into the show and have their questions read. We're going to do some more of that kind of stuff in the future. But on top of that, they also get stuff like GPS studies and giveaways. Uh, for the giveaway, it's the same companies we had last month, uh, Backwoods Grind Coffee Company, Backwoods Mobile Gear, JX3 Outdoors, Out on a Limb Manufacturing, MobileHuntingGear.com, 
and Cash River Leatherworks. Uh, all those companies uh, donated stuff to give away. There's a bunch of winners. Uh, some of those have multiple winners, so you have a really, really good chance of winning. Also, this month, we are giving away a tree stand. I'm not sure which tree stand we're giving away yet, but we have a bee stand, a lone wolf stand, and a hush stand. So one of those is going to be uh, given away this coming week. So for the month of October, we're going to announce it on next week's podcast episode, so y'all make sure you're tuned in for that. Listening, make sure you won if you're a Patreon member. If you're not on the Patreon, you can hit the show notes. Find the link down there to go join our Patreon. We'd really appreciate it. It goes a long way in supporting the show. So thanks to everyone who's already done it. Thanks to all y'all who are listening right now. So without further ado, let's get to the outro. Welcome to the outro, everybody. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Andrew Maxwell. We got to get through this one quick because we don't have that much space on the card. Right, Jacob? Yeah, we only have five minutes. Yeah, no, we got, got an hour 44, so it's got to be less than that. Um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. We got Jacob killed a bear. I shot a, a doe, shot at, shot a doe. <laughs> I hit her, but you know, we'll get to it. She ain't no ki- she ain't, he ain't no killer. No, not You not didn't so go to far. that Geraldine class. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go to the Geraldine first Baptist archery shoot. That's what, yeah. Yep. yep. Dang. So yeah, pretty eventful. Um, you listen to Monday's episode, we did the call-in show. Still wanting to know what people think about that. Definitely write in. Tell us what you thought. Tell if it's is, is that something you'd like to hear more of? Would you like to participate in something like that? Let's say we got we got a, a line. You know, we got like ten lines open or whatever. You're gonna call in. You know, give your opinion on the show. Talk about some stuff. Love to hear you all's input on that because we got to figure out whether or not it's worth the cost because everything costs money. So that costs money too. Anyways, how we want to start this thing out? Oh man, I don't know, man. Um, well, first off, we were supposed to render some bear fat, which ain't happening. Nah, we got some gumbo on the stove though. <sighs> squirrel, turkey, and on Dewey gumbo. Squirrel, 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 squirrel. I love me some squirrels. Anyways, yeah. So yeah, got bear fat in the fridge. Where'd that bear fat come from? Man, old old uh, Northwest Arkansas. What's the name of the place it came from? Bear Mountain. Bear Mountain. Bear Mountain. That's what Mike said. Mike's like, they need to read. What well, was the nearest town? I don't know. The town of Bear. The Bear. Bear. Bear, Arkansas. Bear. That's probably, that probably is a town in Arkansas. All right. So let's let's hop right into this. Well, let's let's go. So um, how do you, you're the host, man. Lay it out. All how, right. So Jacob, do, last time we talked, uh, Jacob was going to go up to Arkansas. He was going to go up there and hunt with with your little brother. Going to be a fun hunt, family hunt. Going to have a good old time, make some memories. Uh, going up there for bear and deer, if I remember right. Uh, kind of not being picky, but you were leaning towards bear. So, I mean, let's kind of hop right into it. So you scouted before you went up there. Okay, you went up there to pick up Thomas's bear. Thomas killed a bear. You went up there to scout. What'd you see? Man, this is a good host right here, Mikey. Listen, we, need, touch, we need to start taking some notes. I've done this about 300 he times. He saw a bear sign. He saw a bear sign. Yeah. We have done this about 300 times when you count the ones that we weren't able to drop. You're right. Very so we're right. at 293. I think is this episode something like that, something like that. All right, go go on. So I derailed it. Yeah, so Thomas killed uh, a couple weeks ago. Thomas killed a really nice uh, black bear, and of course, if you listen to the outro a couple weeks ago, you heard the story on that bear. Um, I drove up that weekend, uh, which was uh, about a week ago, and uh, went up to pick up the meat. And originally, I was going to pick up the hide, but I had a taxidermist in town actually uh, do the do the rug. But uh, while we were up there, I was like, man, I really want to come back for the muzzleloader opener, which the muzzleloader opener was October uh, 16th, which is a Saturday, uh, this past Saturday. And I was like, man, I really want to scout it because I'm like, you know, the tag's not 
crazy, crazy expensive. And I'm like, you know, Thomas has all these bucks on camera and he's getting all these bears on camera. I'm like, dude, let's, you know, let's check this out. And, uh, you know, up in the Ozarks, Ozark mountains in the Ozark national forest, we were up there and man went up there and started scouting and checked out this spot that he's been running all these cameras, getting all these bucks on camera, but they're all like late night photos. They're like from like 10 PM to 4 AM. And, you know, a lot of buck sign, but it was real close to the road. And we scouted in the whole day covering, I think we covered like four and a half miles. Are you like on top of the mountains? Because it's mountainous country. Are you yeah, on yeah. top, on benches off the side, down to the bottom? So we were working down some, uh, so we're on, on top, but we're working down some longer ridges. And I was actually working along uh, benches. So there's a lot of benches in the area. What about his cameras though? Where So where the bucks are showing up late at night. Is that uh, on top of the ridge? Yeah, they're all all of his cameras are pretty much on top of the ridges and stuff like that. Uh, he didn't have anything on benches, anything in, in that kind of standpoint, um, you know, around water sources, stuff like that. But we, you know, covered a lot of ground. I walked around a bench on this whole point from the south side of the ridge all the way around the ridge to the north side of the ridge all the way back down and um, found a ton of bears on, dude. I mean, uh, it's kind of crazy. You know, we did a bear episode last year. Uh, with a gentleman uh, from Virginia, I believe it's Miller. What is Mil- What is last- his first last name? Is Miller? I forgot his first name. I want to look it up for us real quick, Andrew. He can look it up for us. It'd be- it's a good episode. It's a good episode because he talks about bear sign, and he talks about the trails. He talks about like the the feed sign you find, and I was finding that everywhere. I mean, the broken branches, like hickory branches and white oak branches, where they're going up in the tree, they're snapping branches off and they're like stripping them and throwing them to the ground. And you like you just you'll go to like a ridge point and it's like there's all these like two foot long hickory and, and white oak branches laying on the ground they're all fresh like where they've been snapped off the tree uh there's a ton of muscadines and actually in the area that we were hunting in it's a really heavy mass crop this year uh for you know acorn production and also um muscadines where some other parts of the mountains um you know have zero or like very little um you know mass crop so there's feed everywhere. So there's no such thing as like you can't hunt a feed tree. I mean, there's absolutely. I mean, every red oak in white oak was dropped. Jason Miller. Jason Miller. There you go. One. Uh, oops. One eighty six. One eighty six. One eighty six. Southern Big Woods Black Bear Hunting with Jason Miller. Excellent very, episode. Very good episode. Very good episode. Um, but a lot of that song. Did, did any of that uh, episode impact? Absolutely. Your yeah. 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 I mean, right, from right, from right. the trails to you know a bear. By the way, a bear trail. Very different than a deer trail. It looks. It's spectacular. First off, you see it from a long ways away because it is anywhere between about uh, probably 10 to 14 inches wide, and it looks like a freaking path. It looks like a hiking trail because these bears with the pads and everything, they don't have hooves, so they're not cutting to the ground. But individual prints. In some areas, and I did find that in some areas. Other areas, it is literally like a worn-out trail that is that wide, and there's no deer sign on it. It's all bear sign. You find the feed sign and droppings all over it. And it's just where the bears are consistently walking through. Then on some points, you find like on a ridge point where you find the individual paw prints where it's like maybe one or two bears working through a specific area where it's like you can see where they're putting their paws every single time as they cross through an area. Just so, like Jason talked about. Just like Jason talked about in the episode. Um but anyways, we scouted this scouted this area for, you know, you know, a whole morning that I left. And I was talking to Thomas and drove back up. And when I was coming back up on Friday, Thomas was telling me, he's like, hey, he's like, hey man, he's like, hey, I talked to a, a local guy who owns property right next to the National Forest. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, this is the guy that he's been taking a lot of advice from. And this guy has killed a lot of really nice bucks up there. Actually, Thomas was like, man, y'all need to interview this, this old boy. Uh, his name is Mike. 
And he's like, you really need to interview Mike. He's killed some, you know, a lot of really good bucks up there. And he hunts a lot of these benches. Well, he's a big bow hunter, big muzzler hunter. And he told Thomas that they were going to walk out from their property out this long ridge that we scouted on. And it's going to be like him, his son, and daughter, something like that. They're going to hunt up there. So I'm like, okay, I'm not even worrying about that. And I told Thomas, we come up. I don't want to hunt anywhere he's had trail cameras. And nothing against like, okay, just because you got trail cameras out there and you're not getting anything during daylight doesn't mean there's not a buck there that's killable, as we saw with Tim Knight. Hey, do you want to give that a shout-out, Facebook page? Do it. <clears throat> so Tim Knight, uh, he just killed a, a really nice buck, uh, kind of a unique buck, had like an extra main beam or something like that. Uh, he didn't have it on camera, and he just made a post today about how he was saying, hey, just yeah, a lot of big bucks get – saved their their life gets saved because guys don't have them on camera they're just somehow eluding their cameras you know a camera covers like 10 square feet of your property and you know you don't have that buck on camera so you don't have confidence you, you don't go hunt that area that doesn't mean he's not there tim runs cameras uh he still had faith in his area he went out there and he killed a, a really really nice buck yep. so he's just making that point that was on our facebook page tim, we shared it today tim knight's a, a past guest of podcast yeah uh, just go go search, you know, whatever. If you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just search Tim Knight. You'll find him. Uh, really, really unique episode. A lot of listener success stories came from it, so go check it out. Yep. So, um, but b- back to, like, what we were dealing with. I told Thomas, like, dude, I don't want to hunt anywhere around there because there's so much public land. And I'm like, let's look at something different, and let's – I'm like, I want to focus more on topographical features. Like, there's something to these benches plus this guy – Mike, who Thomas has talked to, who's, uh, you know... Were you uh, just wanting something different? Or were you not confident? I wasn't confident in the spot because I knew there was going to be other guys hunting in that area. And also, mm-hmm. Mike talked about, like, hunting pressure can be kind of a lot higher on muzzleloader hunts, which I, I didn't see another person in the woods. I didn't see another truck. Why Why do you think pressure would be higher? That's he, what, that's, had, had he been seeing people there? That's, no, from Mike, the, the gentleman, the older gentleman that Thomas has been talking to, he said during muzzler season, all these guys walk in from the private land to the public land, oh. and they do like soft drives. They like they like slip hunt. They do a lot of slip hunting. So I'm like, I don't want to hunt anywhere near those other people. Okay, so I'm like, dude, let's get off farther from the main road. Let's go down one of these side trails, like these two tracks. You got to drive way back in the mountains, and uh, let's hunt some more terrain features. And, and Mike, the guy that Thomas has been talking to, talked very highly about like these bucks traveling these benches, and there's like extremely noticeable benches out there, these shelves off the side of the mountain. And uh, I'm like, I-, I can see something playing a part to like this being a-, a big travel corridor. And by the way, one thing we started using, which blew my mind, especially while I was out there scouting was that Cal Topo app. Oh man, you can slip on in, bro. You know, yeah, we're talking about that. We forgot to mention that in the last, that's what we, we, we're going to save it for this episode. Yeah. So I want to talk about that real quick. So Cal Topo, which we've talked a lot about in the past about their online service, just completely revamped their app. Okay, their application. Their app used to be garbage. It used to be Hot, garbage. Steamy garbage. It's free to use, free to download, does not charge you anything. They have publicly an overlay, and there's like 80, 60 to 80 different does, layers. Does not include WMAs. So if you're like in Alabama or Georgia or whatever, it's it's like federal public it's land. Na- national, yeah, national force. So on national force, it worked perfect. It's Wildlife spot. Refuge, BLM, yeah, stuff like that. Spot on. But um, uh, it worked up there on Black Warrior. So that's because it's National Forest. Yep. Yeah, but still WMA. Yeah, but so I was just wanting to clarify. Yeah, yeah. 
if you go to like a standalone WMA, at least in Alabama, um, it doesn't it doesn't show like state owned parcels. Uh, it'll show it if it's like a overlaid type thing, like Black Warrior. Yeah, but, with national with national forest. But, but their app is ridiculous. It's um. So listen, how I run mine when I was up there, and this that's why I was using the Scout everything with, uh, because I mean, dude, Onyx is not showing these details. Base maps doesn't show these details. The slight the fixed slope angle shading that that is the if you're in hill country or mount or in the mountains download the cal topo app on your filters select s- fixed slope angle shading and then move your topo lines to 10 foot lines and just watch what happens so the slope angle shading if you're used to the online service it highlights and it's like a lidar Andrew, you probably could talk a little bit more about this. How the function out? It, it's something. It's something that's scanned. It, it's it's a digital elevation model. Okay, so every pixel in there has like a value assigned to it, and it might have uh, your, like slope assigned to it, elevation. So that's how you get your topo lines and everything. It's all derived from the same data source. The problem with places like Onyx, and I do this for a living, so I can like speak on this. Problem with places like Onyx is they use a nationwide data set, where it's the same data set from coast to coast, north to south, east to west. So some of your mountainous areas, like if you're in Montana or Colorado where they're based out of, it's pretty good uh, just because you're dealing with such giant terrain features. uh, You do pick up those details you need to see. You get over here out east, and we don't have mountains like that, so they don't show up as well. So you miss a lot of details. Caltopo, they don't use that same nationwide data set. They use the finest data they can find, so if Onyx is using a five meter data set, so think of a a square on the ground, like a pixel, okay, and it is five meters wide. Let's but just five say. meter resolution, right? Yeah. So if you literally took a square and put it on the ground, it's five meters. Think of everything that's in that five meters, okay? That uh that's gonna miss some stuff because it's gonna have to generalize everything in that. If you take it down to one meter, all of a sudden, you have a lot more pixels, therefore you have a lot more clarity, so you can pick up a lot more slope and everything. So places like Caltopo, who use that, uh, you get the slope angle shading, which will show you very, very accurately where bluffs and stuff are, if the data is available for your area. It's not available everywhere. So some areas, it's going to be no better than Onyx or Basemap. But in the areas where that better data does exist, which is pretty much the entire state of Arkansas, um, it exists. Unbelievable. It is very it good. Is, it is and list- change your base map to shaded relief, and you get to see the raw hillshade LIDAR image. It is incredible. Listen. I mean, very. you can see the logging trails on the ground. This podcast is supported by Hunting Exchange. Now, Hunting Exchange, if you haven't heard, is an app for iOS and Android that is your one-stop shop to buy and sell all of your used hunting equipment. Now, the great thing about this, especially as a buyer, you can go on there and find some great deals on used equipment from other outdoorsmen from across the country. One great thing you go on there, unlike social media platforms like what you would find on, say, like Facebook, you can actually go on Hunting Exchange and find some great deals on bows, tree stands, saddles, technical apparel, knives, broadheads, the whole nine yards really one great thing about it is again it's secured and supported by paypal so when you go on all your purchases are insured through paypal so you can buy with confidence now the great thing is also as a seller you can go on there and be a part of a great network of other outdoorsmen and be able to go on and sell whatever gear you'd like and be able to reach more people without having to worry about being banned or blocked on social media platforms like what we see on facebook again it's a great place to go purchase your gear and also connect with other outdoorsmen across the country 
All right, so you say you're a fan of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast and you love the show. You tell all your buddies. You might even leave us a review on iTunes, but you're not rocking Southern Outdoorsman merch. What's going on? Now, you can fix that today. Just head on over to our website, southernoutdoorsman.com forward slash shop. You can check out the new T-shirts, new decals, and everything else we have on the website. Or, better yet, you can click the link in the show notes below and go directly to the website from there. Love to see you in the Southern Outdoorsman merch. Thank you guys for the support. This podcast is supported by Mark's Outdoors. If you're from around Birmingham, you know of a a staple in the hunting community here, and that would be Mark's Outdoors. They've been in business in the same location for over 40 years, family owned and operated, and they have a reputation for being one of the best bow shops in the southeast. As we inch closer and closer to deer season, if you haven't already, it's time to dust off that bow and make sure that she's ready to roll for this hunting season. Go stop by Mark's Outdoors and check out their archery counter with Mark and Robbie, two guys I've known for years, excellent bow techs. They've worked on my bow since I started bow hunting. They got all the knowledge and accessories that you need to get ready to rock for this bow season. While you're in there, also make sure you check out their gun counter. They got a ton of nice rifles from everything from AR platforms, nice deer rifles, and a bunch of nice shotguns as well. They also have one of the best knife selections in Alabama. I mean, really nice stuff. All kinds of custom knives in there, and their ammo selection is just unbeatable as well. We're thrilled to have Mark's Outdoors on board, and we thank them for supporting the podcast. Now we're going to ask you guys to go support them. Uh, when, I, when I say it just gives me chills, dude, just like the excitement level. To be able to, the detail of this fixed slope angle shading, okay, which if you're in hill country, I highly recommend using that. Um, you know, if you're if you're using Caltopo again, free app to download. We have no association with the company, but it's just again, just our personal opinion on what we've been using. It first off, it works off uh, satellite satellite uh, data, so you're not using any like you don't have to have sales signal, and it still works fine. Also, has a tracking feature on there, and you can drop points, which I didn't realize. I was dropping pins and everything, um, but to be able to see the benches in clear detail, and also see the the different slope. Um, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, degrees of angle uh, on some of these areas where like purple is literally like a bluff. It is a rock wall, dark red. You can go up and down it, but it's three points of contact, two feet and a hand going up and downhill. I mean, you're just, you're going to have to, it's one of those spots that literally you can stand up and you can lean forward and just lean forward just a little bit and you touch the ground. That's like dark red uh, shading. And then you, of course, yellow, yellow, you can kind of run up and down, but still pretty steep. Anyways, uh, we decided to go up there. And I told Thomas, hey, I'm going to go in based off the terrain. I'm going to hunt this part of this bench. We had a northwest wind, and I was set up for the thermals, the falling thermals. It was a south-facing it was a, a south facing slope, ridge rain, kind of east to west. And uh, I'm thinking, again, you know, hunt for the thermal drop in the morning, deer coming up and down the, uh, the bench or, you know, deer, bear, whatever, and, uh, and try to catch those deer or bear coming up and down the bench uh, traveling. Um, kind of, you know, at the same elevation line. And then as the thermal switch and starts rising, going up the hill, still be able to hunt, you know, everything down the bench from you, like down in elevation. And even anything on the bench still is not going to smell you. But if it's up above you on top of the ridge, you know, it might smell you. But anyways, went in blind, got set up in the spot, uh, open in morning, and uh, right off the bat, black bear came right in. First five minutes. First five minutes. I mean, literally been legal light for like, a minute, two minutes, and I hear, and it's twigs snapping. Because you know, everybody's always like, "Man, bears are so quiet." Heck, no, not to the not the bears I saw. <laughs> so, I'm headed home from work, mm-hmm. and I see your little post where you're like, 
I should have shot this uh, bear, but I didn't. <laughs> I'm like, and everybody, I think, was on the same page. Everybody was like, what the crap, Jacob Myers? You said you were going to go hunt a bear or a whitetail, and a bear is right there on top of you, and you don't shoot it. What the Jacob Myers? <laughs> like, Hey, listen. Show enough trophy hunters. And he and he's and he put it in the group message too. He said, uh he's like, What'd you say? I just shot, I just saw a bear like right off the bat. And then you start it. and then he and then he starts sending the videos of it and he's like, I passed it. I, I started looking at the videos, I'm like, hmm. Passed it, huh? Like I was like, Okay. Like I must have not seen something here. And then and then you see the confidence fade and the next text messages are like he's <laughs> he said, I think I messed up, quote unquote. Didn't say messed up, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he was pretty upset with himself. Yeah, so I, was, I sat at the edge of the bench where the bench dropped off the side of the, side of the mountain. And um, I was like 100, it's like it's, it's running like 110, 120 feet below like the top of the ridge where the truck was parked and had it like hike off the side of the ridge. But you know, it's really steep going down. And when it's coming in, I'm looking, I'm looking west on the bench. And I see it walking right towards me. And I'm like, it's black. And I never even got excited. I'm like, oh, man, it looked like a small bear. And I'm like, I didn't really want, like, when I saw, when I thought it was a small bear, like, my first saw, I was like, oh, man, it's a cub. And I'm trying to think, I've never seen a black bear this close. Okay. And it, it wasn't 400 pounds. Like, it's not like so big, like, oh, man, there's no question. But I saw the bear, and I was like, okay. And I think it was that big. And it's walking towards me. And it's like legal light, but it's still like, you know, if you were bow hunting, Looking at like looking at your pin on that bear, if you knew where the head was at, dude, you'd be like hoping and praying that you just had your pin on the on the black bear. Like, I mean, looking through the scope of the gun, you can see it fine. But anyways, it comes all the way up to five yards from me, and it's walking that edge. I mean, I'm right on the break line for the bench, and it's walking right towards me, and it's kind of thick. I mean, where I'm hunting at, it's not wide open. I mean, it's like saplings and crap, and it stops literally five yards from the stand, and it's like it's sit, and it's like looking. It looks right up at me. Like clearly, they can smell me. My thermals were like still pulling down the side of the hill, but I'm sure the bear could smell me right there. And it's just looking at me and I had my phone out. I'm like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not even worried about shooting this thing. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm thinking it's like the first thing I thought, I was like, man, it's, it's just a cub. Like it's like, it's like a cub. Like, like I didn't want to shoot like a, that's, that's what I thought it was a cub. And I'm filming it and you know, I'm filming it for 45 seconds, whatever, you know, a minute. And then, you know, li- you know, sunlight, you know, it's still like getting a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter. And I'm looking at it, and I haven't even looked at it through binos. I haven't looked at it yet through a scope or anything. And it's just like a black blob. What are you thinking? You didn't look at it through your binos. No, because it was right there on top of me. You're just, like, oh, I gotta gram it. No, yeah, <laughs> no, no. I was just, I just, no, it was just filming on my phone. I was just filming on my phone. I was like, and then it like slowly turned, started going back the way it came from. And like now, you know, it's been a couple minutes since I've seen it. And it's like five yards. I mean, it's right there. And I'm like, Man, that bear's a little bit. That bear's longer than I thought it was. It's not like when I first saw it, dude. I thought it was like no joke. I thought it was like Bridget. Like I thought it was small, but then after like the light came up a little bit better, I was like, "That's a pretty good bear." And then you see it in the video, and that's when I put my phone down. Yeah, it turns its face, and you see that long yeah, snout. Yeah, because like again, like a, a young bear will have like a real short face, like just like a young deer, and it turns its head like like to my right and I can see it snout and it's a lot longer than I thought it was I was like oh that's a, that's a good bear I'm like oh crap I'm like I might need to shoot this thing so I put my phone down in my pocket dude and uh, I put my phone in my pocket I grab my gun and by this time it's like it knows something's up dude and this bear's like it's like look at that dude in the tree right there dude dude it's like it's like it knows something's up so the bear <laughs> it like starts going back the way it comes and the, 
I, I heard Clay Newcomb talk about this on the old Barry's podcast. Like a bear, it'll look at you, it'll freeze, and then it'll turn and take like a couple like steps, like it's like trying to like slip out of there, and then it'll like it'll start like it'll scurry it'll off, scurry off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great way to put it. And that's what it did. So it, was like, it like turned and it like it was like watching me, kind of like a bobcat. You, bobcats do the same thing. Like turn, watch you, slowly like take four or five steps. And it's like five, six, seven yards from me. And it's like, it scurries a little bit. And it gets like to the edge of the bench and starts going down the edge. I can see all the way down the bench for like, you know, 60 yards. But it's like still thick. And it's going down the bench. I'm like, okay. Like I should, I was looking at through the scope and everything. I just, I never got like a, a good opportunity at it without shooting through some brush. I'm shooting with a muzzler too. And I'm like, I think it's about to come out and it's like an opening just down below me. And I'm watching, I'm watching, watching. And it gets to like just to the edge of that opening. And it's like, no, I'm not going that way. And it like kept <laughs> side hilling down away from me. And like, it was just gone. I'm like okay whatever but i'm like at first i wasn't tore up because i was like man it's you know it was, it, was like, it was a good bear but nothing crazy and then i was thinking i'm like i could have shot a bear opening day opening morning going in blind my first bear ever and i texted you first guys, bear hunt and, and yeah first bear hunt. <laughs> no 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 I, I did bear hunt once in tennessee with nick and dare oh, it, it, was, oh yeah. it was a crap shoot it was a crap shoot but uh i just it, i kept second guessing myself i was like damn it <laughs> and, you know i texted you guys and uh and Andrew's like, dude, I can't. He's like, you passed. Or Michael, like, Mike's like, you passed it. Or like, what? Are you sent me like a, a message. You're like, yeah, I, what because are you doing? I mean, we just talked about it on the podcast. I mean, you're driving all the way to Arkansas, paying three hundred fifty dollars for a not a annual license just to shoot a bear because you can't shoot them on a three day license. I found which you out. also bought. Uh, yeah, so I spent like four hundred and seventy five dollars. They bought the three day license, realized he couldn't shoot a bear with it, and then bought the annual license on top on, on the it. drive up there. Because I, I bought the three day license. I'm like, okay, because it says you get big two big game tags. That's why you shouldn't purchase licenses while but, you're speeding down the yeah, interstate. Yeah. So, yeah, so then, like, then I'm in I'm I'm in Eastern Arkansas, and I'm like, Thomas was asking. I'm like, maybe I need to look at the license again. I get back on the website. Maybe while driving, maybe not. I might have been pulled over. I don't know. No, it was. I was looking so at it. Crap. I was looking at it. And on three day license, no, on three day license, it was uh, for turkey or um, for turkey or um, deer. Deer. And for a non resident, the only way you could kill a bear is have an annual license. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, this is three hundred fifty dollars on top of a one twenty five. I'm like, okay, wow. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, hey, I'm here to shoot a bear. So that's another thing. So I spent like that much money, and then a bear's right there. I didn't shoot the bear. And I'm like, so. It. Yeah, so back to me. <laughs> so we just did the podcast, and you're you're talking about basically it's very very difficult to go out there in the mountains and and national forests and just kill without bait. Absolutely, just kill yeah a bear, and you're out there first morning, first thirty minutes of daylight, and it happens, and you just let them walk. Like, come on, man. Feeling nice that day. Well, it gave me it gave me some confidence because well, the thing is, so Thomas had nine cameras out there. Every single one of his cameras had bears on it, and they were, they all seemed to be different bears. So I'm like, there's got to be a decent amount of bears up here. But no, I felt terrible, like literally, like so that happened. It was like six fifty seven o'clock when I first when I saw the bear. Okay, and uh, in the morning, and by like seven thirty eight, I was sick to my stomach. I was like, you know, I passed it, like I passed the bear because I had him right there at five yards. I mean, I could have shot right when he was there at five yards. I just didn't do. I was just filming on my phone because I again I didn't realize like how big the bear was. Now looking back at it, the bear was probably like a hundred and 
120 pounds, maybe something like that. 120 pounds ish. That, that's a respectable bear. I mean, a yeah. lot of guys end up shooting a bear that big. Oh, that's like a normal bear, mm-hmm. you know. That's like your basket eight. Yeah, from what I understand. Yep. So, and I'm like, crap, dude. And you know, jet I'm like, dang it. And I was thinking, because again, another reason why I came up here and did this hunt is so my younger brother, who's up there in college. Um, me and him have never hunted that much. Like, you know, he loves the hunt and everything a lot from like kind of my passion for it, but never because like when I was in school, he was here and I was in Arkansas and then vice versa. When he was in school, I'm here, you know, working and everything. So the only time we hunted was like on vacation breaks, like for like school It never hunted a whole bunch. So one reason I wanted to do this was for that experience of like him hunting with me or like us hunting together and like sharing that kind of experience. I was like, dang it, dude, that would have been so cool to kill a bear opening morning. And then like, you know, me and him packing it out and everything like that would have been awesome. So that, that really sucked. Uh, Cause again, a lot of this was again, kind of like building some memories cause he's just never had that. Like a lot of stuff he's kind of done by himself and he's kind of struggled. Yeah, again, the camaraderie. Part. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but a little bit later on in the morning, you know, get to like eight, like eight eight thirty something like that, and uh, I was thinking, I, I was still like, kicking myself, and I'm like, man, I need to start doing. You know, this is just after we had interviewed with um, uh, Richard Fott about the calling episode that just came out uh, last week, and I was like, man, I, I need to do that that grunt sequence because Richard's talking about, man, it's gonna be perfect time, and also, you know, it was nice, cool front came through. You know, it was like in, it was in the the low forties that morning, and it had previously been in like the eighties last you know two weeks. Um, good cold snap, yeah, right n- time of year. Nice cool snap. I'll say cool snap. Now Thomas did freeze to death, and it's funny. I'm gonna tell a story about that in just a oh, second. Me too, bud. But me uh, too. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, eight eight thirty something like that. I do the whole calling sequence. I do the whole grunt sequence with that messenger call, and that grunt call, and it did like twenty five tending grunts, and did the whole kind of like you know two hundred seventy degrees around. I, mean, I didn't do three sixty, but I did like two hundred seventy degrees. And when I'm set up on this bench, this bench runs east to west, and I'm kind of facing southwest, kind of off the edge of the bench. Like, I'm looking down the western side of the bench. I'm looking, um, you know, down the hill, too, because I can tell there's some really good trails below the bench. And that's kind of how I'm set up. And the wind... How how far down is this bench from the top of the ridge? Is it like a third the way down, halfway down, uh, lower third? Like a... Fourth, so from the top, from where the trucks parked at, trucks parked at like sixteen hundred and almost seventeen hundred feet. Okay, like close, very close to seventeen hundred feet. Where I was at was like fifteen, fifteen hundred feet. Is the truck at the top? No, 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 because it goes up to like up, almost, almost like right at a little over two thousand. If the bottom of the valley thousand is foot zero percent, and the top of the ridge is a hundred percent, what percentage are you at? Probably. I'm probably at the top fifth of the ridge. Like this bench is like top fifth, top fourth. So like 75% the way up. Yeah. There you go. Good okay. way to look at yeah. three quarters of the way up. Three quarters of the way up from the, from the bottom. Okay. Um, and actually maybe even a little higher than that. Cause it gets big elevation change. But, um, I did the calling sequence and five to eight minutes later, I'm sitting here on this bench and the bench is thick. Okay. And I hear something behind me like to the, on the eastern side of the bench. And I'm like, and it's, it's a northwest wind. My wind's like dropping straight off the side of the bench. And I hear something directly behind me. I'm in the saddle. And I'm like, hmm. So I, I go to like shift a little bit in the saddle and like turn around. And I'm facing the tree. I take my left foot and I put it, I pick it up 
and put it behind my right foot to then pivot in the saddle. And the second I do that, I hear trotting away from me. After you did the Richard Fott grunting sequence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, about five to eight minutes later, I hear sound like something. I hear like a stick break behind me. Like I hear something like slowly walking. Shift my leg and it catches movement. I turn around and there's a really nice buck and a little buck with it trotting back down the bench. And they're like 25 yards from me. And it's thick. Like I see them for a split second and then they're gone inside the saplings off the side of the bench. Uh, or like down the bench. And I'm like, holy crap. Saw, saw, first off, saw a bear. Saw, should have been a shooter bear. And I, without a doubt, shooter buck within the first two hours of daylight. So that shooter buck, do you feel like he was uh, working around the bench and heard you? Do you think he was bedded over there and heard you? Do you think he was just walking to you? I mean, what was the situation like? I definitely not. I th- I th- definitely think they reacted to the call. Uh, I, I really do because how just how quickly it happened and how like kind of quietly he snuck in. Yeah, he snuck in, but he still he couldn't smell because my th- my wind. I'm dropping milkweed. It's dropping right. Out. I mean, it's like floating out over like the abyss of this drainage. Okay, and he's just like right behind me. And again, I should have. It was one of the situations, and I, I talked about this to a couple guys after this hunt. Was like saddle hunting is fantastic. But in areas when you don't know, like a deer could come from 360 degrees around you, it, it you got to be super careful, dude. Because like the 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 slight movement of you shifting a leg or something like that, shifting your weight, adjusting a foot, yeah, like that little bit of movement can like if if you're in hunting thick cover where that deer can't see you past like 40, 50 yards, or you can't see a deer past 40, 50 yards, and they're right there on top of you. I mean, the slightest little movement, you're busted. And that's one of the things when you're hunting, like I say, a tree stand or something, and you're sucked up right against that tree. If you're sitting down, all you got to do is move your head left or right a little bit. Like you're not really moving your legs. You're not shifting your weight or anything like that. Or you're standing up and you're kind of, you know, leaned up against the tree. Um, so that that's a that's a big factor there. But, dude, they, he busted out. And, dude, he had, you know, really good mass. And that was one thing that Thomas told me about. I was talking – or he was talking to that guy up there named Mike. And – he was showing some photos to Thomas of like some of the bucks he killed. And Thomas was like, dude, they all have like heavy mass. Like any of the mature bucks out there is, you know, they might not, they not, might not be 160, it's 160 inches, but they have super heavy mass for the area that they're in. And, uh, anyways, I turned in that buck, just, they went off. I was like, Oh dude, I was felt sick. I was like, Jesus. I'm like, man, like, you know, scared up on a bear. And then also on the freaking, on the bucks, I'm like, crap. So yeah, you called me about, 1045 yeah. or so I was getting ready to get down I was hunting too and uh and you called and I was like I gotta talk to him because I knew you'd miss the bear and everything and I, would, I was pretty curious what you, what you had to say and and uh you did, I mean to be honest on the phone you didn't really sound that discouraged you're like yeah we're going back out this afternoon uh it's gonna be you know we're going to I think you said you were going to a new area or something like that for mm-hmm. the afternoon hunt and Thomas had a little mishap with his muzzle yeah I was gonna say that so it was quite chilly, and I thought Thomas had more of his cold weather gear with him. And um, you know, he had a couple "quote unquote" layers. He had like a t-shirt, like a short short, short sleeve t-shirt, a long sleeve t-shirt, and then like a like a hoodie that he wore. And he froze to death. Like he he said he got in standby like five thirty, five forty five, like literally like an hour before daylight. And uh, he said by daylight, he was like uncontrollably shivering. <laughs> and I'm like, dude I, dude, I had like the uncompadre jacket on. Like I, all I had was like the the merino wool wick long sleeve shirt, quarter zip, and then just the uncompadre jacket. And dude, I was fine. And like no thermal bottoms, just 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 the guide pants. That's it. 
and worked out fantastic. And he froze to death. I was like, man, I felt bad because I'm like, I told him he can use one of my other like like one of my Battlelands jackets or something like one of the lightweight like kind of thermals. He's like, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine, dude. He froze, he froze the dick <laughs> off. Um, Won't make that mistake again. No, so he said he was sitting in a stand and he uses this freaking Millennium M100, just like one of the first stands I ever bought. And I hate it, dude. Like he loves it because how comfortable it is, but so loud, it's big, it's bulky. Is that got that bracket? Yes, yeah. with, with the chain, and he carries oh. that crap in the woods. Oh man! And uh, I'm like, you're. Crazy. I remember, man, back in the day, they were like, "That's a good." You used to you when we first started the running gun page. You go on there, and people would be like, "That's a great mobile setup." Yeah, ain't nobody suggesting that nowadays. No, not at all. Like you're crazy, dude. <laughs> back, back then, everyone's like, "Yeah, it's good. That's good mobile setup." Yep. So, um, anyways, um, he get, he was he said about like seven o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock, whatever. He was like uncontrollably sh- shivering, like just he couldn't handle it. And he said he's like he's like my mind was in the right place. Well, he calls me at nine thirty. I'm like, hey man, and he's like he's talking to me like normal, like I'm like whispering. He's like he's like hey, he's like hey um yeah I had to like he drove his car, I drove my truck out there. He's like he's like hey I had to drive back to the house. He's like uh he said, I had a, mi- a little mishap. And I'm like what do you mean a little mishap? He's like well um. He's like, I got real, real, real cold. And uh, he's like, I don't know. I, I just wasn't thinking right. Like, I just, I don't know what happened. And he's like, I had my muzzler sitting across my lap. And he's like, I went to stand up because I'm so cold. And uh, next thing I know, my muzzler fell off, you know, fell out of my lap and fell to the ground. He's 20 like, feet? No, no, he wasn't that high. I think he said he was like, he's like 10, 12 feet up. He was using three uh, muddy pro sticks, not spaced out very far, but. He's like, he's like, yeah, it fell the tree, and he's like, he's like, uh, when I, I climbed down and grabbed it, he's like, the scope's loose. He's like, he's like, the whole scope base is like, it's like wiggling. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Not man. a good sign. Not a good sign. So uh, I told him, I'm like, okay, because you know he wanted some help, like reciting it. And I'm like, okay, because I was gonna sit till like noon and then like shift over. I had some a little bit of food with me, shift over to another spot at the bench to hunt that evening. Well, he calls me at nine thirty, and I talked to you like at ten forty five. I'm like, I'm gonna try to get out of here by like eleven. Go back, help him go out to the range and shoot it, and that's why I did. I packed up, got out of there, and uh, we went to the uh, the local range and shot his muzzleloader. And uh, he actually went to the house. He said he said nothing was broken on it. He's like uh, it just knocked the bolt loose, so he like retightened everything down. He had to take the scope out, put the base back where it was, and he had the the scope had been on for so long, like it had like wear marks of like where like the rings were at and where the base was at on the gun. So he just matched it all back up. Okay, so he matched the base back up in the right spot. He put the scope I've back on. I've done this exact thing before. I know. Put the scope on and then put the rings back on where they all matched the same spot. He went to the range and literally left and right was dead on and it was like an inch and a half high at 50 yards. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm like, good job, man. Listen, like, you know, pretty smooth. It only took like two shots to get it back sighted in. And uh, anyways, we ran back out to the woods. I told him, you know, I was explaining to him like what had happened that morning. And I talked to you too and and uh, I was like, man, you know, this sucks. He's like, well, but it gave me a lot of confidence because I'm like, you know, see a shooter buck and a bear opening morning, first morning out there, first time hunting. I'm like, shoot, yeah, dude, like, hey, you kidding on, me? Come on now. And what I, what I had in mind, there's another spot about 800 yards or no, about five to 600 yards down from where I was hunting. Same bench. Same bench. This bench is a really, really long bench on this part of the mountain. And there was like almost a 90 degree turn in the bench. Okay. And uh, I'm, th- I'm thinking based off like kind of where it's at, it's like a secondary point comes off the mountain and it makes like this real hard, uh, bend on this bench. And you can see it very easily on cow top. So this 90 degree turn is on that point. 
Where it, where it wraps around the point? Yeah, yeah, it wraps around the point. Yep, yep, yep. So you get like the main mountain, you have this big secondary point comes out, and the bench like goes around the secondary point and kind of like goes back up along a drainage. That's like identical to where I shot that doe a couple years ago, Michael. Mike, I'm going to show you. So, you can... so you're on the point instead of in the drainage? Correct. <clears throat> Absolutely, so, so correct. So the bench wraps around the point, you got that big flat on the point, and then it goes back around and starts wrapping around the steep slope? Yep. So okay. I'm going to show you right now on Caltapo, so just so you see. Right where my crosshairs are at is where I, where, uh, where I went. Me so. and Michael hunted a spot identical but yeah, I'd, like almost identical to that a couple years back. The place I'm going this weekend. Or the cross, see where the crosses are at? Went up there, hit the bench, wrapped around, and I hit that point, that 90-degree turn, and that's where all the sign was. And I immediately started, I was halfway up the tree, and I started seeing deer. So so one thing so one thing about this that I found out, I, I learned so much after hunting. I, I, listen, I love the mountains. Like, I'm telling you, I've got to get in a lot better shape because like it kicked my butt. <laughs> but just taking like what we learned down here up there. Now this is not like this is not like Appalachian Mountains where you have five six thousand feet of elevation change. You know this is like a thousand fifteen hundred foot of elevation change. You know from the bottom of the ridges to the top of the ridges. Um, so it's not as crazy what you were finding like saying like Virginia and even even like Western North Carolina and, and North Georgia. But it's still you know mountains. Um, but that bench. So I, I decided to come in that e- that afternoon. I was going to park way up the two track, pull off pull off the side in like a little ditch, and then hike on down. Oh, easy. And then hike on down, um, cut into the woods, come down that point. And then what I wanted to do was, I wanted to step above the uh, the ninety degree point, the ninety degree uh, bend in the bench. I want to set up above it with falling thermals and my mindset was I want to sit above it so I can still look up that ridge on that secondary point and for, for sign and anything traveling around that point. Uh, but also look onto the bench and if something travels on the bench, have a shot opportunity before it smells me. Okay. With the falling thermals going down towards the bench and dropping off the edge. Okay. Um, while I was walking in, I found a freaking fresh rub and I'll be honest, Andrew, I think if you would have been hunting in there, I think you would have been like, Hey, listen, I'm sitting right here, dude. <laughs> it was a, it was a rub. And it, it took every ounce of my body not to sit right there. Cruiser Saddles is the newest addition to companies supporting this podcast. Cruiser is the maker of saddles and saddle hunting gear. Uh, me and Jacob actually met Chad, the owner, at our Bows and Brews event in March of 2020. We were demoing a lot of different saddles there from a lot of different companies, and he showed up with his products, which were brand new at the time, and everybody there was extremely impressed with them, including me and Jacob. We ended up getting some of the saddles for this past hunting season, used them all year from, basically, we started hunting in August and hunted until February. No complaints, really liked them, the durability was there, the comfort was there, the wearability was there, you know, walking in and out to the stand, so we are very impressed. You can go back to some of the episodes from last year and actually hear us you know live through the season talking about these things we talked about them a lot in the podcast from last year's season just really impressed and we think you would like them too so go to their website and check them out we ran the xc orders ship the same day or next day unless otherwise indicated and you get free shipping on orders over 300 dollars we really appreciate cruiser for supporting this show you guys go show them some support as well whoa 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 guys hold on now You've been listening to a lot of our content, getting a lot of free content lately. If you've been listening to the show for quite some time and enjoy the show, one way you can help support us is join our Patreon. Uh, if you join the Patreon account, you get access to all kinds of content, including GPS studies, giveaways, and videos. Now click the link in the show notes below and join the Patreon today. One rub? Yeah, but you could see how he was traveling. He was traveling down the side of this ridge, off that, off that main ridge right there. And there was a big thicket right across this little drainage, like a subtle little drainage. And it, 
he was coming from there. I saw farther a rub farther away, but he had hit this tree and I mean broke off every single the tree was probably you know two and a half inches in diameter. And he broke off. There's two or three branches on there, like two feet off the ground. He snapped all those off and shredded. And it was extremely fresh. Had those hoof prints like you were talking about. Mm. But <clears throat> there were some feed trees right there. A bunch of oaks were dropping. But I couldn't pinpoint. I'm like, okay, so there's this buck coming through here. It still was a little bit open for me. There was a thicket right across the little drainage. I'm like, okay, maybe he's like coming out of there or something like that, traveling back and forth. But I still didn't have a bunch of comments. But I had to talk myself out of it because I was like, man, maybe I'll just set up right here and not go down to the bench because this is probably – you know, 80 to hundred yards from the bench, like from like that little spot. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to worry about this. So I kept going out, went to the point. And by the time I was getting to the little point, that secondary point that was dropping off where the bench came around it, ton of bear sign and, and deer sign. There was a couple of really big rubs right there on that little point, like a big cedar shredded. Um, and there was a couple of scrapes right there too. So I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty good. And walked in. This is something I did as well. While I was out there with the wind at my back, kind of like what Bill Vale talked about. And I talked to PK about this too. Walking at the wind at my back in a straight line, not going through like bedding cover, but like transitional cover where you're going through with the wind at your back. So you're setting up where you're almost like J hooking into your spot. You're setting up where you kind of J hook back into the wind and any deer that are traveling down that edge, you'll be able to see them get a shot opportunity before they hit your trail. Okay. Cause there's no other way to get to these spots without doing that. And if you do like what Bill Vale talked about where you're walking, instead of walking a direct line to your spot with the wind at your back and you walk, say it's a, a North wind and you walk East or West for 200 yards, you're blowing out all that cover that you're walking, you know, upwind of instead of walking straight through it and then setting up. And that's what I did. And it was, it seemed very effective, uh, in this area. Um, Anyways, I get set up on the bench. I, it took me 45 minutes to find which tree I want to get in. There's four trees. I was like, man, I kept going back. I was like, what tree do I want to get in? What tree do I want to get in? And I finally picked the tree where I had a, a good visual of that 90-degree bend in the bench. And it was it was open down there, but you could see all the trails coming through. And it was like 60 yards down below me. And then I had all that sign up there on the secondary point where I you know, kind of come in from. Um, so climbed a tree, and it's like, 4.30, climb the tree. And this afternoon, I took the, the hush stand wind with me. I was like, man, I'm going to sit in the stand, tucked up against the tree, and I'm just going to set up and, you know, have that kind of platform that I can really kind of sit, sit nice and comfortable and kind of tuck myself into a tree. Uh, I mean, if something comes in, you know, have a, a really good opportunity to be able to, you know, get up and get a shot. And probably 4.45-ish, right at 4.45, 4.40, I hear, and I'm like, what the? And dude, it's <laughs> off to my right. So Sam's quit. So I'm facing, I'm facing pretty much this is the situation. I'm facing north. Okay. That bench is on my right hand side and it kind of bends around and I'm kind of facing up towards this thicket on the side of the ridge. Well, the sound's coming down from below me. And I look down and coming up that point of that 90 degree point off the bench, like coming up the bench uh, from like the drainage, is this freaking huge bear. And it's just panting? No, it's, well, it was, it rained up a, so if you looked on Cal Topo, dark red face is what it ran just up. climbed up that It crap. climbed up, and it, what it was, it was just huffing, like, getting up it. Oh. Okay? Um, I like it, Bridger when he's running through the backyard, and he's like, <laughs> that's exactly what it sounded like. It's like I'm, a little I'm gorilla. Not gonna lie, I'm not going to lie, I was getting a little scary for a hot second. <laughs> Even though I was up in a tree, I was like, what the crap, dude? I mean, it sounded like, <laughs> 
I mean, that's what it sounded like, dude. Like, like, listen, listen. After after being around bears, I now see why so many people are like, "Oh, I saw Bigfoot, bro. I saw Bigfoot. I swear to God, I heard. I saw Bigfoot." Dude, if you had a black bear and that that sucker got on its hind legs, dude, swear to God, it like is it is it true they look like a person when you take your skin off? You skin them, they look like a person. No, I bet they do if you hang them up. Uh, uh, Thomas's bear was hanging up. I didn't really notice. Really? Yeah, no. I've heard people talk about that, where when you skin it, it kind of looks like a human a little bit. No, those, those people are pansies. <laughs> I've been around quite a few dead people, and that's not the case. I'll be 100% honest. Quite a few dead people? Yeah. You, how have you been around so many dead people? Were they skinned? No, not skinned. <laughs> I'm saying a dead person. Jesus, Mike. God. Well, we're talking about skinned bear, and you're talking Well, he's about... like, it looks like a person with skin. I'm like, no. No. And James like, no, I've skinned a few people. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Anyway. Anyway, um, hills have eyes. There you go. <laughs> the ginger has eyes. <laughs> the ginger has eyes. No, so I hear that sound. I look over and hear that bear. That bear's coming up, and I'm like, the first thing I see, I see how wide its head is. So I see how wide its head is, and the shoulders are like, not even a question. I'm like, I've got to shoot this thing. So I stand up quick. I mean, I had my gun right across my lap. I've only been in the tree for like 15 minutes. Okay, and I swing over in my thermal. My, Therm- the thermals at this time are like dropping onto that bench. So I stand up, swing around real quick, and I'm looking at it through the scope. And it's like, I'm like, it's going to do probably exactly what that bear this morning did, where when it smells me, it's going to pause for just a couple seconds. It's going to look up at me. And like, that's my shot. Because if you don't shoot there, it's going to be walking directly away from me. There's no way you're going to shoot walking directly away. And then it's going to take off running. So it's like going back and forth right on the edge of the bench, like just real frantically, almost like a dog, kind of what Bridger does. Okay. I'll be honest. It's like real frantic, kind of going back and forth. And then like got a bead and started walking right towards me. Okay. Well, it starts walking right towards me and like coming down the bench and the bench, the gap from like the, the rocks below me where the bench starts to like the tip of it was probably 35 yards. It gets to like, five to eight yards off the edge of the bench and then it's like it freezes and looks right up at me and i'm, I'm already looking at the scope i've got the hammer and back. smelling you oh yeah absolutely and i've got the hammer back and i'm looking at it and i'm like to give you an idea from the base of my tree to where that bear was at it's probably a 40 foot elevation change okay from like that's how like low down it is on the bench. So you're like sixty feet above it, and then I'm like fifteen feet up in the tree. So I'm like fifty five feet up above this up above the bear, and it's like at fifty to sixty yards below me. Because of the angle, I'm like shooting down on top of the bear. It's not like a frontal shot. It's like shooting down on top of the bear. So like when it's coming towards me, I'm looking at the top of its back. Like I'm looking down on top of the bear, and it freezes, looks up at me, and I've already got the crosshairs on it, and I put it right between the shoulders up top and just squeeze and boom. And, uh, I shoot and like, you know, smoke clears and I don't see it. I'm like, I didn't see it run off. I'm like, what the heck? And I look back through the gun and that bear's like laying there. And I'm like, holy crap. And then like, it like rolls over, like rolls over on its side. Cause it like, it like, it like, it took it, it took it dude. And like had his legs tucked up underneath it. It was like laying there and it rolls over on its side and then it's, Kicked his back leg. I'm like, oh god! And it kicks his front front leg, and it starts kicking. I'm like, oh dear, freaking! I'm like, did I just find it? Yeah, I'm like, did I just find this bear? So I'm quickly. Well, if you kick its, if it kicked its back leg, you didn't spine it. No, uh, it, it it was it was kicking. Just I said it was just kicking. So I go to reload my muzzler. I'm reloading it, 
and now I've got a big old bear that's just flailing, flailing. The, this it's uh, let's say it's a little intimidating. I'll be hundred percent honest. Just looking back at it, um, and my mindset is like I've got to get another bullet in this in this bear. And I'm reloading my muzzleloader, and while I'm reloading, it's like flipping and flopping, dude, and it's getting back towards the edge of the bench, and this is like where it came up with some serious elevation. That's one reason why I was huffing as it was coming up. It's flip-flopping, dude. And I see it, like, grab a hold of a tree and all this kind of stuff. And anyways, it's, like, shaking trees and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I got to get out of the tree. I got to – because I can't get a good – I can't get a shot angle. Like, it gets kind of into a little bit of cover. I, just, I can't get a good, clean angle shot at it. So I'm like, I got to climb out of the tree. I'm – dude, I'm shaking like a freaking leaf. I am <laughs> the adrenaline dump. You're about to run up on this thing? Dude, the adrenaline dump was, like, in, uh, like no, nothing like any buck I've ever shot, period. Like, it's, like, the most crazy thing that it was unbelievable. So I climb out of the tree. I got the shotgun, or I got the, I mean, not the shotgun. I got the muzzler slung over my shoulder. I climb out of the tree, and I start running down the bench. I got muzzler loaded, extra shot in my pocket, and I don't have a sidearm. And I'm, like, I get halfway down the bench. By this time, the bear has gone over the edge, and I see, like, some little tree shaking just over the edge. And I get, like, halfway down towards the bench. I'm, like, this is not smart. Mm-mm. I'm tra- I'm trying to get another shot at a wounded bear, bear, a wounded bear, and a big bear. Okay, <clears throat> and uh, maybe don't maybe don't charge it. So. No, no. So so what I did so I got down on the bench, and when I got to like where I had shot it at, I circled crosswind to it. I didn't walk directly to where it went over the bench. I circled crosswind like 10, 15 yards to the left, and peeked over the edge. I had the hammer back and everything on the on the muzzler. Peeked over the edge, the bear's not there. <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> oh. where'd it go? Yeah, no, I'm like, oh, crap. And right there, it goes over. If you think about it, it's a 90-degree turn, okay? 90-degree bend in the, in, in the bench. At that point is a big rock bluff, okay? The, bit, the bear goes over to the left of that, to the left of that rock bluff. And like 30 yards to the left of the, where the bear went down is another little rock bluff. So it's like a 30-yard gap right Good there. pinch point. Good pinch point. That's where the bear came up. And that's where it went back over well, then I, I see it's not down there, so I circle back on the edge of the bench, and I'm looking, and I see the trail, like, it, you know, this bear's, I mean, when it was flailing, it, like, tore up all these leaves in the ground and everything. I can see, like, how it did it going down the hill. And, again, this is a very, very steep slope, okay? So this is a dark red, dark red shaded slope on Caltapo, which is, the way I describe it, it's three points of contact going up or down it, okay? As in, you got your feet on the ground, and you got one hand on the ground, like keeping you from like sliding. That's I, I could just see the second ginger sliding down into the bear. <laughs> yep, happened with your brother. Here we go. So we get to this point, or I get to this point, and I get right on the trail where that bear went down. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there. I'm listening. I'm dude. It's quiet. It's so quiet. There's no leaves rustling. There's nothing. And I can see down like 30, 40 yards below me, and it, I mean, it keeps going, but you can't see past it. And it's like 4.45. It doesn't get dark till 6.30 in the timber. And I get my binos up and I see something. It's black down there. And I'm like, oh, man, that, that's the bear. I look at it. I'm like, okay, there's the bear right there. And it, it looks dead. <clears throat> I'm watching it with the binos, watching the binos. And I'm like, okay, that's it. And that's like, I'm like, okay, it's dead. Like, it's, it's not moving. It's dead. And that's why I called Thomas. And Thomas was on the other side of this big drainage on the other side of the mountain. And he heard the shot. And I called him. And he had terrible signal. He, we're trying to talk about everything. He's like, what you happened? I'm like, dude, I just shot a huge bear. He's like, what? He's like, dude, I sh-. I'm like, I 
shot a big bear, like way bigger than the bear I saw this morning. And he's like, oh my gosh, dude. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. And then his cell signal dropped. I'm like, crap. Try to call him back. He didn't answer. And that call Andrew, he doesn't answer. Andrew's unreliable in situations like this. I was like, man, I, was, I want to tell him, I just shot a bear. And I mean, adrenaline, I'm sitting there on top of this ridge, on top of this bench. And I'm like, dude, I mean, still like shaking like a freaking leaf, dude. Like this is like, you know, six, seven minutes after the fact. And I sit there, I'm like, I need to cool, I need to chill out for a second. I'm just like, it's all good. The bear's right there. And I'm sitting there for like, you know, probably five, it felt like five, 10 minutes. It might've been 36. I have no long, no idea how long I sat there for. And I'm like, okay, I need to go down there. Let's go, let's go look at the bear. Well, I'll start going down like kind of next to the trail the bear had gone down and I had to go around this tree and I went around this tree and I'm like 15 yards down off the bench. And it's, I mean, it's steep. I'm like, I'm going down Had the hammer was not pulled back on the muzzler for safety reasons. So I had the, the hammer forward, but I'm like using the gun literally to like keep me upright going down this thing. I get like 15 yards down and I look at my, my binos. And I'm like, that looks weird. And I look back to what I thought was the bear and it's not the bear. It's a stump. <laughs> where is she? And I'm looking and I'm like, where is the bear? And this is where he knew he messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's kind of surreal thinking about this. So I, I got down. So I'm, I'm like 15 yards below the top of the ridge. And it, I mean, it's steep as crap where I'm at. And right now I'm pinned between two big rocks. Like there's a big rock bluff to my right, a big rock bluff to the left. And the problem is there's all these big boulders around. And I'm like, I'm thinking she could be, she could be eye level with me or the bear. It could be eye level with me at any point. I just can't see it. It could have side healed and it could be like right here off to my left or right. And I just can't hear it. And, um, I'm like, dude, I was like, Oh crap. I'm like, what do I do now? And I'm like, well, let me try to find the trail where she'd gone down, like the sign and everything, and just see what kind of sign I can find. You know, find because I didn't even look for blood. I'll be honest, I didn't even look for blood at impact site or anything. I just tried. I was trying to get to her and get another shot in her. And uh, I, I finally get to back, go back to the right a little bit towards that that rock bluff at the point, and I see where the, the leaves and everything were all messed up where she had come down. Found a little bit of blood. I'm like, okay, cool. And I start kind of following the blood, but I'm following the blood through like some big rocks. Like there's like, she's going down the side of this hill, the side of this mountain. And there's like big rocks all out to my right, like right next to me. And it's like, she could go down and come around. She'd be on the backside of one of these rocks. Okay. You know, this bear could be on the backside of one of these rocks. Well, I, uh, I kept slipping down. I go down another like 15, 20 yards. And I get to like this rock that's sucked up onto the side of the hill uh, on the side of the mountain. And it's like the way I, picture it is like imagine you're looking at the side of a slope and this rock is sucked up against it and the back side of the rocks washed out so it's like a little drop off mm -hmm. and i get up to it and i see where she'd you know the bear had gone over the edge of it and um was looking you know for you know blood i found some blood and I, i'm about to go over the edge of that rock and i look down and i'm looking down the hill and by the way by the way let me say this when you shoot a bear everything in the woods looks like a bear after the fact <laughs> logs stumps rocks and dude i mean i'm already on high alert i mean i've got the gun at this point i'm like forget using the gun as a walking stick like i got the gun up i'm just trying not to slide down the hill and slide into potentially you're, you're thinking she's about to run out from the rocks and mess you up yeah yeah and i'm like and i'm, I'm thinking because i don't again should have had a sidearm but just i didn't um i was like do i want to try to recover her now and try to get another shot in her if, if potentially she's not you know fatally wounded or whatever were you one were you worried that you like one lunged her 
Yeah, I was worried because the angle. Either that or potentially, you know, gut shot her. Um, and I didn't want her. Anyways, I was like, do I want to track her now? Or do I want to track her when it's dark? And I'm like, what? You know, how far is how far are you from shot site? Uh, by this point, probably forty yards, maybe. Okay, it's not that far. That's not that far, but it's on the side of a steep face. Yeah. So it's right off the edge. And, um, you know, as I get to this rock, this little outcropping and I look down below me and I see, I'm like, I'm like, that looks like a bear. And I throw my bonnets up. I'm like, okay, that looks like fur. And I'm trying to focus my bonnets. I'm, sh- I'm still shaking, dude. Like I'm like still adrenaline dumped, like fight or flight. And I'm looking, I see, I'm like, okay, that, that's fur. I'm like, oh God, that's her. And I see her in her, her head, her head is upside down and she's got like a paw in the air. Okay. So it's got a paw in the air. I'm looking at it and it's not moving. I'm like, that's kind of weird. And it's down below me like 30, 40 yards. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm not walking straight towards the bear. Okay. As uh, if you heard the story of my brother, he did that and slid down into the bear. Okay. And thankfully his bear was, was dead when that happened. Cause he slid off the side of a steep face and literally landed on the bear. And thank God the bear was dead. Well, I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I'm going to side, I'm going to, I'm going to side hill, go down a little bit in elevation and get like, just up above it, but be 20 yards off to the side of it. And I did that. And I'm looking at the bear. I can see his eye. And I'm like, see his eyes. I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't know about this. I got the hammer pulled back, dude. And I grab a rock, the biggest rock I could put in my hand. And I lob it over there. And I lob it just up above it. And it rolls down and hits her. And nothing happens. And I'm looking at her. And I'm like, okay. Well, I go up another, you know, I'm like 20 yards from her. I go up to another, like, I go, like, say, like, I'm like 15 yards from her. Grab another rock, do the same thing lob it rolls down and hits her and nothing happens and i'm looking at it and i'm looking at his eyes and everything i'm like dude okay so i get up a little bit closer i get to like 10 yards and i grab a rock i freaking i just throw it at it and hit it and nothing happens and i've got i mean i've got the hammer pulled back and i walk all the way up and i get to like right on top of the bear and i'm like please for the like i'm just looking at this thing i'm like I've hit it a couple times with the rock. It hasn't moved. And I poke it with the, with the barrel of the gun, with the muzzleloader, and just jab it, and it doesn't move. And I'm like, I could. It's almost like you still didn't believe it. I did not, <laughs> dude, I did not believe it was dead. I'm, I'm looking at it, dude. I'm looking at it in the eyes, and I'm like, it does not look dead to me. Like, it's, you know, like you see a deer. I think it's about to hop up and grab dude, you. Dude, dude, so, so when you see a deer, and a deer is like, you know, has that glaze over effect, there was none of that. None of that. I mean, it's like, it looks like it's looking right at me, dude. And I'm poking it and it's like, it's not moving. And like, even after like I poked it and like, it's not moving. Like it's, it's it looks dead. I didn't even want to touch it. I was like, I was just worried. <laughs> dude, it's just going to freaking just come. It, it was crazy. And that's when I realized like how big the bear was. I was like, holy crap. And, uh, finally after like standing there next to it, I'm like, okay, it's dead. Like it's, it's dead. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not here with us any, any longer. And, uh, it was I get to it. It was just, it was a huge, huge sow, um, dry sow, uh, but just a, a a really big bear. And um, you want to explain what a dry sow is? Just didn't have cubs. Um, so yeah, she didn't have any cubs with her. But um, she had a. I've got a photo. I'll probably post the photo like when this episode comes out. Her head. I'll I'll have to show you my. Her head is like wide. Like it's Thomas's bear that he shot. Mine has a lot bigger body than his bear. 
His skull might have been a little bit bigger, but my, the skull on this, on this sow is wide. I mean, I took a photo. Thomas took a photo of me like sitting right there next to her with her head facing forward and my head next to it. And you see how big her head is compared to my head, like width-wise. Like, dude, you don't want one of those suckers to get a hold of you, dude. But uh, it was uh, like when, when I found her and everything, like it was like mixed emotions. Because like, first off, I'm like excited. I'll sh- I just shot a bear, dude. And it's down within, you know, 70 yards of where I shot it. But also, it's like terrifying because I just shot a bear, and I had to go to recover this bear, and finally I found it. And it's like, I don't know, it was all these mixed emotions. Like, oh, I was excited, I was like worried. I mean, to be honest, a little bit scared too, just with it, because it was just crazy. Like, never been around a bear, never been that close to a bear ever in my entire life. Um, so it was just, it was just crazy. Um, and by that point, you know, I, I get the bear. I'm like, I like, I roll it over, roll her over, and uh, take some photos and everything. And she's like a beautiful bear. It's a, they call it a, I guess a cinnamon phase bear, but she's like the way I describe it. She's like a Hershey milk chocolate color, like dark, dark, dark Brown, really pretty hide on her, but just a big body bear. And like, I talked to a couple locals and a a couple bear hunters and showed them a bunch of photos and angles. Like, dude, she's every bit of 250 pounds at least. Um, and, I, didn't, I couldn't tell because we never got her out whole. We had to skin her out there and, and, you know, take all the meat off and all the quarters and everything. But uh, it was the most brutal pack out I've ever experienced, period. Having to take her back uphill? Yeah. Back up to the bench and then back up to the truck from the bench? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just, you know, like I was saying, is you know, on Kyle Topo, it's dark red, which is three points of contact going up and down. So imagine having one, like the Kafari probably weighed – the cape and the head probably weighed about 60 pounds. Um, and then, um, you know, had a hind quarter and two shoulders. I mean, dude, 110 pounds easy. And then the other backpack we had, which is a smaller, is a mystery, a little smaller mystery ranch bag had probably about 50 ish pounds in there. Uh, and that was and like, that, that was all of it in one trip. Yeah. All of it. Well, I told Tom, I was like, dude, we should probably take two trips. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it. And uh, I try to carry the heavy backpack. And I literally made it 15 yards. I'm like, I can't. There's no. There's physically no way. You're gonna I can. puke, right? <laughs> no, my, I, just, I just physically could not carry the weight. Just, I couldn't carry the weight. It's not nothing about puking. Um, and then Thomas like, dude, I'll, I'll take it. And Thomas plays college basketball, so um, he's in really good shape. And dude, we gave it to his little log. And like, you know, we had skinned the bear out, took all, saved all the fat. You know, took the whole hide off. And we get this big log, and he's like, he's like, hey, he's like, this. Let me carry it. You carry this up backpack. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm like, appreciate it. I'll be hundred percent honest. Freaking, absolutely appreciate it. He puts his backpack. He puts the kafari on. He straps down, and he goes to stand up, and he's like, it's like a turtle, man. No, he's like, he's like, he's like, dude, that's freaking heavy, man. And he's, I mean, legs buckling. I mean, dude, I mean, you know, they work out for you know basketball, and he's in really good shape, dude. Um, he's like, this is. He's like, this might be my max. <laughs> he was joking. He's like, this might be my max squat, dude. And uh, my PR on squat on this backpack. But, uh, you know, as he put it on, we climbed up. And, I mean, literally we were going probably 10, 15 feet at a time and just kind of like slowly trying to work our way up. Because the thing is, like, we're trying not to slide it. Thomas is – I had the gun with me, had it unloaded, and I'm using it as, like, kind of walks it, kind of like help him bounce. And Thomas is literally, like, holding on to trees – I mean, it's one of those places like you're grabbing saplings as you're going up and like grabbing whatever you can to kind of help you with your footing as you're climbing up the hill. Um, and it took us, uh, let's see, we started working on the bear around six o'clock that, that evening and we get back to the truck with all the meat at 11 p.m. Man, sounds like a freaking adventure. 
Yeah, it was, it was crazy. We were uh, when we skinned out the skinned out the hide and was taking all the fat and the, all the meat off. Uh, we kept having these giant freaking hornets fly on us. I like, I mean, it's pitch black dark, dude, and we're like working on the spare. And you'd hear like, and dude, I don't know. I mean, a huge hornet would fly. I'm like, I don't know if it's a cicada killer or what. And they're flying. I'm like, kill it, Thomas. And you know, I didn't want to get stung, dude. And uh, it lands on the hide and about land on my hand. And I'm like, Thomas, kill it, hit it with your hat. And he just freaks out, bro. And he just takes his boot and he steps right on the freaking side of the bear that's been skinned. I'm about to take the fat off with his dirty freaking boot. <laughs> and dude, I about lost it. I'm like, you son of a gun, dude. What are you doing? I took my hat off, smacked the, the hornet and killed it. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? He's like, dude, I don't know. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Freaked out a little bit. Bill Horn, you know, Horn laying on me. Getting your fat dirty. Dude, yeah. This joker right here, we were in Tennessee. It's almost like he is scared of those little things. He's like, there's another one in the truck. Dude, he's like, oh, the, the flies. <laughs> he's, he's cussing up a storm and then he, he's like, get it, get it out of here. <laughs> well, that was, that was a horse. I don't deal with any, any large a horse fly. fly. No, any yeah. large, oh, any large flying insect. I don't, I don't mess around with any of that, dude. That, that is mm. not my go to. Nope. It's all fun and games till they get in your ear. What? Like, get, like you ever had one like fly uh, up into your ear? I don't think so. Not at all. Not a horse fly. That'd be man. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a horse fly, dude. Well, I mean, that, that horse fly's not. They're not scary. Once they hop on you, they might bite you. Have you been bit by a horse fly? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not saying it feels good, but it's not that bad. I don't know, dude. It's nothing to act like a little girl about. Easy there. Listen, <laughs> we're gonna get to your story in a little bit. Are you one of those guys that when a bee like flies up in your face, you like scream and run off? Yeah. Okay. I mean, at least you're honest about it. Yeah. I give you prompt. No, I don't. I don't. I don't like flying insects, bro. Not at all. Not 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 my go-to. Um, but anyways, dude, it was it was a crazy crazy hunt. But yeah, we packed it out. Um, uh, and also, so we called the taxidermist. So the processor, it, also the taxidermist in town. Um, they do a lot of bear and everything. And the owner, dude, she's amazing. Um, uh, and she actually. Thomas had called her um, probably like 7.30 or something like that to tell her, hey, we got a bear down. We're working on it. Uh, can we bring you the hide, uh, you know, the cape and everything? Because um, I was going to let them do the rug for me. Um, and uh, I, I had the meat and put the meat in the cooler. I already had ice in the coolers, like already prepped ready for the strip. So, and she's like, yeah, just bring it, you know, when you can. And, you know, we didn't get back to the truck till like 11. And it took us like 20 minutes just to get back to like a paved road. Cause I mean, it's good, good haul back these little, this little two track. And, um, by the time we get cell signal again, cause like when you're coming out, you don't have cell signal until you get like a certain spot. We call it's like 11, 15, 11, 20, something like that. And, uh, Hey, Susie, Miss Susie, do you got, uh, you know, Hey, it's, you know, Jacob, uh, you know, by any chance are you still at the shop? She's like, no, she's like, Hey, I can meet you down there. And dude, she was amazing. She uh, met us down there at about almost midnight to pick up that hide and check it in for us and do everything we need with the confirmation numbers and everything, get it all, you know, put together. And uh, she was looking at the bear. She's like, that's a really good bear. And she's like, that's a real pretty color. You're talking about that brown, that kind of dark brown color. But uh, anyways, it, it was uh, it was interesting. But one thing, so in Arkansas, I didn't really, I mean, I knew this from Thomas killing his bear. There's a molar that the state the DNR requires you to send in like mail in like this molar. That's how they age the bear. And, uh, I'm thinking, you know, like a molar, like, you know, like a big tooth. I went in there on Monday before I left. I had to go pick up that molar and dude, it looks like a freaking, it looks like you cut a, like the, like half an inch off a, 
um, toothpick. That's what that tooth looks like. And that's how they age the bear somehow, whether they do a cross section cut of it or whatever, but he was, I had to go pick that up from her. Um, but when I went back and I was talking to, uh, one of her, the guys that actually does the actual rugs and everything for the taxidermy work. And, uh, he's like, he's like, Hey man, he's like, um, he was telling me about the bear and I showed him photos. He said, Oh yeah, dude, that, you know, that bear's probably, you know, right around 250 pounds or so, uh, to, you know, between 240, 250, just looking, looking at all the photos and everything. Also based off the size of the Cape. He's like, yeah, it's probably a five, five and a half foot bear per rack, what he was looking at on the actual, the hide itself. Uh, so it's a really big, really big sow. Um, but he, he told me, he's like, he said, hey, did, uh, did y'all drag that bear out? Or did you cut him up in the field? I'm like, no, we cut up on the side of the mountain and had to pack it out. He's like, he's like listen, he's like, I'll, I'll tell you right now. He's like, that was one of the cleanest hides I've ever seen. You know, for someone doing it in the field, he's like, he's like, he's like, there might have been two leaves on that it's confidence high. booster right there. Yeah, because I, like, I, I, I was told Thomas we packed in some like big contractor bags, like trash bags, and when we ha- we were working on her, we had uh, these bags laid out underneath her to keep it all clean and everything. And I was very meticulous about that. Thomas, if he was on here, he'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Jacob yeah. Myers, man. That Joker, he he's clean about how he cleans some deer and, and yeah, apparently well, bears and everything. Well, I mean, you started at like six thirty and ended like eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh, yeah. That's another thing, that's, man. That's like that night we spent up on the mountain. Oh, yeah. That was dope. That was, that was fun. Yeah. Man, I was at JT's house early that, that next morning drinking coffee with him before we went hunting. And I pulled up our Instagram story and I was like, oh, look, Jacob put some more stuff on here after he killed that bear. And it was like, it was four o'clock in the morning. I was sitting there drinking coffee with JT. And I was like, wow, this, has, this was four hours ago. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I had a long night. Holy crap! Yeah, we almost had to make two trips. If it, if, it, if like I was telling Thomas, what if you'd kill that thing by yourself, it, dude? I've tell dude, you'd still be there. If 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 I I was that's why exactly what I was telling Thomas. I'm like, there's first of all, there's no way I could have got the meat and hide in one trip. It had to be two trips minimum. I mean, it had to be two trips for for the hide and bear. Like it, it had to be two trips, but also skinning out a bear by yourself. I mean, it was the first time I ever skinned a bear up, but we did a really good job. He told me, like, all my cuts were pretty much perfect. He said, one paw, he's like, you know, he kind of went a little bit to the outside. He's like, I'll stitch it up and clean it up a little bit. It'll look really good. But he's like, you know, everything else looked fine. But the skinning out process and keeping it clean, dude, I mean, it was a two-man job. Like, doing it by yourself, oh, my God, dude. It, I, I would say it would have to add, at least for me, the way I did it, because being very meticulous about it, I mean, I was I was trying to save everything. I mean, I by the time we got done with that bear, the – um the carcass was literally the chest cavity. Like this, the chest, like the thorax, the chest cavity and the guts. That was all that was like, I mean, I took all the rib meat off. I took all the side, like the flank meat off. Um, I mean, it was nothing but like a pile of bones by the time we left. Um, so Didn't leave much for the buzzards. No, no. I mean, I mean, very, very thorough with it. I think you enjoy that just as much as the hunt. Oh, absolutely. That's what I told honest. Thomas. I'm like, dude, we're Definitely. getting everything. I'm like, I don't know when the next time I'm going to kill another bear is we're getting everything off this thing, mm-hmm. dude. Like absolutely everything. Same, same thing when I shot my buck in Wyoming and he came back there and helped me skin it. Man, we did a good job on that buck, especially mm-hmm. just in the dark headlamps on the side of the river. We were very thorough about how much meat we got off that joker. Yeah, I'm not one to skimp on it. I'm like, dude, I'm not cutting corners and cutting through meat. I'm going to do a good job cleaning it up and everything, but keeping it clean. Uh, but that was the first time I got to use those game bags you bought me. Uh, oh, those caribou? You they use those? Worked awesome. Hell bro. yeah, dude. And I, I didn't realize, so there's five game bags in there, which came mm-hmm. in extremely handy. So I was able to get, because the hindquarters were freaking heat, dude. One thing I learned about bear, because I last night I was 
stayed up to 2 a.m. breaking the whole thing down and packaging it up and getting it, you know, frozen. But um, the hind quarters are huge. But, like, dude, there was, I mean, two and a half inches of fat on the whole hind quarter, on each hind quarter. So, like, you took all that off. And, like, I mean, it's already a big piece of meat. It was, you know, really, they're, you know, quite heavy, way bigger than a deer hind quarter. But once you took all the fat off, you're like, oh, okay, that looks like a, a decent size, you know, just like a deer hind quarter. So, like, it's kind of weird, like, with all the fat on there, how much larger they look. And then once you remove all the fat, you're like, oh, okay, you know, it's not too, too crazy. Um, but the one thing I noticed about a bear in the, like, the makeup of a bear, their shoulders are so much bigger and muscular than a, than a white-tailed deer. I mean, their shoulders are almost as big as the hind quarter, like, muscular-wise. Uh, which, I mean, if you think about it, you know, they're flipping rocks all the time. I mean, you find logs that were shredded. Tearing up logs, yeah. climbing trees. Climbing trees. I mean, they got to be real built. And, like, you notice that, like, when I was boning out the shoulders, like, back at the house, you know, because we just quartered it out. But, like, how much meat you get off a shoulder on a bear, it was just crazy. It, dude, it was just an awesome experience. But, like, you know, I, we had a couple guys message me, and they were like, hey, you know, we always heard, you know, I always heard that, you know, once you kill your first bear, that's like kind of a one and done. Like you don't want to do it again because of how rough it is packing them out. You know, if you're hunting one that's not over bait or you can't really get a four wheeler or anything to it. And I'm like, well, if you would have asked me that night, yeah, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Like one and done. But like after the next day, next day, I'm like, you know, I'm down for round two. <laughs> um, you know, it was just an awesome experience. And it was, it was really awesome to be able to share it with my brother. Even Thomas was like, dude, like, you know, it was all about like embracing the suck. Cause I mean, it was miserable packing it out and just working on the meat and getting everything out of there part of the experience yeah and that's what he said he's like i'm like he's like i'm like dude that was like a crazy experience to be able to do that together um and have him there with me and kind of have that whole experience because he didn't have that with his bear his bear they drug out and that was it they took it you know they were able to get it to the processor my bear we had to pack it out and that's the first animal i didn't realize this just not because i haven't hunted a whole bunch with thomas and i don't think i've ever killed something with thomas um that was the first animal he's ever seen quarter like boned out quartered in the field and packed out he's never done that before wow and i'm like dude yeah so that was like his first experience his first experience ever packing out an animal was a black bear you know? that, that's awesome that, that's something y'all both remember for the rest of your lives that's absolutely, awesome. absolutely. that's what it's all about so um but oh well i want to tell one other thing then andrew i'll let you kind of tell your story uh the next so the next day we slept in and you know i was dude i, I mean i didn't go to bed till like one o'clock i was so sore and dehydrated i'm cramping by the time we were hiking out dude i had calf cramps i had thigh cramps Charlie you drink horse. more water than any human being i've ever met and you're always dehydrated <laughs> No, when you're putting on air, air quotes, air quotes, I'm so dehydrated. I'm dehydrated. like, you drank four gallons of water yesterday. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Anyways, but next, so the next day we slept in, we and we hunted that afternoon. That afternoon we hunted. I was talking about on the um, the main episode a little bit hashes out. Me and Thomas decided to hunt a different spot away from where we shot that bear. He hunted off this long ridge that he found some sign on previously, and I got up on the secondary point up above it because we were thinking these deer are coming off the main mountain, coming down to the secondary ridge point. And I thought they were coming off this main ridge point, going down to where he was at, and I was able to cut some sign off the main road at this little flat before it went up the, the secondary point up on this mountain. And I climbed up, and it was real thick saplings. I sat off the ground uh, in, in the uh, stand. I mean, literally two feet off the ground in these saplings. And right at, I mean, the thermals, this is one thing I was going to talk about. The thermals in the mountain are unbelievable. Like, it is like, when you, like, if you really want to understand thermals, you got to go to somewhere, like, in the mountains and just, like, experience it for yourself. Experience it for yourself. When that sun went over the top of that ridge, I'm on, like, I'm on, like, the eastern side of this ridge. When that sun went over the top of the mountain and started setting, like, you know, it's like an hour and a half before dark, two hours before dark. 
the thermal switched automatically, and it was just sucking down downhill, like right towards me and going out. Good hard draft. Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. But I sat up and had a bunch of this sign coming through right here at this one spot, right at the second the secondary point. I was just off the side of the point where a drainage went up on the ridge. And I'm like, you know, there's a bunch of sign coming down, and there was a bunch of sign where Thomas was at farther down the ridge point, uh, by this little kind of uh, opening area off the side of the mountain. And uh, he was finding a bunch of sign over there. I'm like, dude, they're probably coming off the side of this mountain. They're going, the bucks are going towards it. Plus, that's where all the all the ropes are facing, going out towards that point where he was at. And right at six o'clock, I hear something up above me on the on the side of the mountain. I hear that that, that you know, deer. We're kind of walking down, and there's a little shelf just right up above me. And the thing is. When I was going up the mountain, I didn't want to get to the shelf because I'm like, I got a feeling if I get to that shelf, I go over that shelf, I'm going to bump a deer. Like, it wasn't a bench. It's like this little ledge, this little shelf, okay? And I'm like, if I get up there while I was walking up, I'm probably going to blow a deer out. Like, I've got a feeling there's something close to it. And, dude, that freaking deer came down, and it was one deer by itself. I'm expecting it to be a buck. I was expecting it's going to be a buck. And it gets onto that little shelf about 40, 50 yards in front of me, and it gets quiet. And I'm like, I don't know if it stands there. I don't know if it beds down or what, but did not hear it for the rest of the night, but hurt from, you know, for about five minutes as it was coming down off the mountain. And it's got to that point, I'm guessing it bedded up. And then, of course... You think you know, it stopped up there and, like, watched the bench down below it? No, no, it couldn't see. It's too thick. Like it, there, Or maybe listening? Yeah, I, th- I think it was listening because it was real quiet. I mean, super quiet. You know, it was just thermals dropping. It, I mean, super, super, super quiet. Um, but I'll say this. I also did a calling sequence, a couple calling sequence with Richard Fott before that had happened, probably 15, 20 minutes before that. I stopped probably like 4.45 or so, or 5.45. And I'm like, maybe he was kind of coming in inspecting, and it was staying up on that little shelf, kind of listening down below and just seeing if it hurt anything. And probably if I would have done old Michael Pike and done a little stick. Looking for those subtle calls. Dude, if I was doing a little stick tap, I probably would have sealed the deal. That sucker would have came down and checked it out and got a face full or, you know, a chest full of... Uh, 325 grand. And a lot of times you need to wait for that 30 minute mark. I'm telling you, it takes them about that long to actually come in mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Well, that's what happened. And he, it paused and stopped there. I'm like, I'm like, crap. I mean, I, I had the gun. I'm like, I'm sitting there, dude, up against this big old oak tree. Cocked, locked, and ready to rock. I'm, like, I'm here. I'm like, I'm about to kill a freaking slammer. I'm like, I can, I can tell, dude, hearing it, just, it sounds heavy coming down. And I'm like, and it just stopped there. I'm like, crap. And I, I'll be honest, I kind of froze. I kind of froze. I was like, dang it. What do I need to do? And I should have done the old Michael Pike. I should have done a little stick tap, but I was just high enough off the ground. I couldn't reach the ground, which kind of sucked because I was I was sitting in the stand like two feet off the ground on this tree. So that would have been a better situation if I was sitting on the ground. Should have acted like you were a buck, like just raking the tree. <sighs> I should have. Dang it. I, there's so many things I should have done. Hindsight is 2020. Yeah, hindsight is 2020. that full picture yep. for him. But. Anyways, long story short, didn't see, didn't have a good hunt there. Thomas had some uh, had a buck and a couple does come slipping behind him, and they busted him before he could get a shot at them, and they ran off that evening. Next next morning, I went out and hunted. This is just a funny story. I want to say this is when I was like, it was the moment I'm like, I lo- I really like these mountains, but dude, I gotta get in shape. And I hunted back on the same bench where I saw the ba- the bear the first morning and those bucks. Got down there, got in a tree on the other side of the bench. I was on the uphill side of the bench. And uh, didn't realize this at the time. There was some, you know, there's a lot of vines out there, muscadines and everything else. And I climbed up this tree, and dude, I got my head all up in this, these vines and crap. <laughs> and I'm, anyways, I'm only like this tree was so big by the way. So I was taking my four. I, I hunt with a four, uh, 
full length Lone Wolf custom gear sticks with like the uh, buckleless method. That's like just what I use. I like the system for like how I carry stuff in. And uh, the tree was so big. It was like the tree I needed to get into. Um, I had to take off two straps from the two other sticks. I could only use two sticks. I had to double the, double use the straps to go around this tree to do the buckleless method. And then thankfully my cam strap was long enough that I could uh, get the stand on the tree. But anyways, I climb up this tree and dude, I get up in this tree and it would get set up and I'm looking at these vines when daylight kind of came. I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm like, this isn't muscadine, Dave. What the hell is this? I didn't really think much about it, but I took some photos, got out of the tree and got back and I was telling Thomas about it. Actually, when I got to the top of the hill, I almost threw up. I was freaking just wore out, dude. Like <laughs> he, almost said, he almost said it. He almost he said dehydrated. dehydrated. You were dehydrated. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you no, weren't. You're not, just out of shape. I, no, I was not dehydrated. I, yeah, I was out of shape and get to the top of the hill and literally was about to throw up from like the hike up the mountain again, back to the truck. But anyways, um, I told Thomas, I was like, man, my face feels a little bit weird, dude. I'm like, hey, he's like, he's like, what? He's like, what, what was it? Was it poison ivy? I'm like, I don't think it was, but you know, I don't know. And he, Thomas is deathly. I mean, he is like, he will be hospitalized. If he like got up in a bunch of poison ivy, I mean, he would legit be hospitalized. Like he's super allergic to it. And uh, he actually just got in some when he was dragging his bear out and he was covered all over him, dude. He had some steroids. And uh, I showed him the photos. He's like, oh, crap, dude, that was poison ivy. And, dude, I had my, when I was hanging the stand, dude, I had my face up in these poison ivy leaves and stuff, like a buck working a freaking mock scrape. I mean, just, like, rubbing it all up in there, dude. I mean, this is why I was trying, because I was trying to, this tree's big enough. I'm trying to reach around and grab my strap. My face is all up in these vines. And, like, anyways, I got back. I started taking steroids, and it hasn't popped up yet, but... Anyways, it was it was pretty pretty rough. I, I was really expecting. I'm like, this is gonna be really bad because that's Just what happened waiting for it on the velvet hunt back in 2019. That's what happened to me when I was hunting with Jacob Emery in a spot and got up in a tree and got poison ivy all over my face, and I never like washed it off or anything. And next thing I know, I went back to work and dude, it looked like someone freaking just like mean mugged me the other side of my face. Just I had this huge freaking rash. But uh, anyway, brutal, 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 brutal. Congrats on the bear. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. So jealous. Hey, hold on. I want to hear your your uh, story, okay? Uh, one other thing that I noticed about up in the mountains uh, that I just want to touch on. I talked to old PK, old Doug White about this. Um, is the uh, the thermal switch in the morning, which was kind of interesting. That last morning, uh, set up above this bench. I wanted to kind of see when the thermal switch would happen. I also, actually, by the way, when I sat up on the above that bench uh, where I had the poison ivy on my face, I heard something, dude. I kind of I screwed up on this hunt. And it might have been that same bear that I saw the first day, or it might have been a deer. I don't know. There was something walking down the edge of the bench, right where it drops off, right at daybreak. And it was walking just like that black bear did, again, right to left, right there in front of me. And, uh, you know, I couldn't see it, unfortunately. I was t- just slightly too far away up on the hill. But um, that thermal switch, I was talking to PK about this. The sun came up over the mountain in front of me, the ridge in front of me, 715. And it did not start rising thermals while dropping milkweed into 8.30 on the dot. And one thing I was talking to Doug about this is the canopy cover with the sun, uh, with the uh, overhanging leaves and everything of the canopy shading out everything below it. Everything above the canopy would heat up and you could see the leaves that they're flickering and kind of, you know, everything was rising where it was still dropping down below the canopy. And then like right at again, the 8.30 marks when everything started going up, which I found really interesting because it made me think like, how quickly the thermals switch with leaf off, like in the wintertime, when the sunlight can penetrate all the way to the ground. Directly to the ground immediately. Directly, compared to, you know, right now. It's like the ambient temperature rising rather Mm -hmm. than... 
Uh, like you have to get the ambient temperature high enough that the temperature under the canopy rises enough to switch the thermals. Yep, absolutely. Because it's you know kind of shaded out a little bit, um, and that's just something that I noticed right there. And then and, and Doug was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, dude, I've, I've seen that many a times before. Uh, you know, kind of early season leaves on the tree still. It just takes so long for that that temperature to or that sunlight to penetrate the radiation to penetrate and actually heat that granite to start rising, you know, underneath the canopy. Um, so what, what he told me was one thing he was saying in the hill country in Pennsylvania, he talked about in those situations, setting up down bolt downhill from a cruising trail where he knew bucks were cruising on the side of like a bench or Ridge, but get up super high. So, even with the falling thermals, he's down below the he's down below the trail, so his falling thermals are going to be falling away from it. And then when the thermals start rising, it's still going out and over the top of that trail. So he's like, it's a money spot, no matter the situation, as long as you don't have really strong winds. He's like, you're going to get away, you get away with murder right there. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just give me a new experience. I'm like, man, I'm really liking these mountains, dude. So thermals work. Thermals work out there, especially. All right. All right, all right, Maxwell, come on, backstrap, Maxwell. What we get? All right, I got ten minutes. Ten minutes here. Let's get through all this. So, uh, basically, uh, opening day was Saturday here in Alabama for most of the state. We had some places open early on October 1st, but the majority of the state opens October 15th. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had the podcast. We talked about, I went scouting. I went squirrel hunting and scouting kind of at the same time. Like, use the squirrel hunting as a way to, like, force myself to slow down to methodically work through this area and really check it out. Went through that day. Found a lot of big, heavy trails, found a lot of oak trees that were dropping, killed a couple squirrels, and found a big deadhead, a lot of old buck sign. And there's a specific SMZ where I found that deadhead where there's a a lot, there's a bluff line, there's this creek bottom, and there's a really, really steep bluff line that goes through there. It's a very, very tall hill, like very significant terrain feature. And there's an SMZ that you you go up from the main bottom and the, the bluff goes up. And it's like, I don't know how many feet. It's, it's very, very tall, uh, especially for the area. And then when you get to the top of that, there's a slight SMZ that goes right between two pine thickets, crosses a power line, and then uh, goes up into another cutover uh, and feeds into a saddle. So it's just got everything going for it. There's a big, big saddle that feeds down into this SMZ, all in thick cover, that dumps down into this SMZ that hits a bluff. And so you got like deer funneling up the bluff, going up the SMZ, and then crossing through the saddle, and vice versa. So it looks like a really great terrain feature, especially for the rut. And so that's what I was really interested in it for. But in that SMZ, I found that deadhead. And so the fact that there's this like pretty nice buck laying there. I mean, wide buck, like definitely a buck that I think probably any of us would shoot, especially with a bow. Um, and the fact he was just laying there and he's clearly been there for a while. I'm like, well, obviously nobody's been in here. So that's a good sign. Uh, and then there was, like I said, there's some sparkleberry in there. There's some greenbrier. Good ground cover in the SMZ. So the SMZ is not just like this wide open place. It's pretty thick on the ground. You stand there, and if you hunted on the ground, you wouldn't be able to shoot with like 10 yards in the SMZ. So it, it looked good from that perspective. So I'm like, okay, I think this is worth throwing a sit at. Just, again, to learn the area um, through, again, like the squirrel hunt and then an early season deer hunt really thinking this area is going to be good for the rut. So I go in there, got in before daylight, accessed through the the bottom, and I went in there with JT. Went to JT's house. We drank coffee, talked about the plan. That was nice. Um, and this goes to show, man, early season bow hunting in Alabama, 
the pressure is so low that I woke up at 3 a.m. and instead of going to my spot, I went to JT's house and drank coffee till 5 a.m. and then went out there and walked in. Because there, there's nobody out there. Nobody's, you're not competing for spots. And so we just went and hung out, you know, talked for a little bit. Started walking in and it started raining, like a steady rain walking in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Steady rain walking in. And so I'm like, okay, this cold front's blowing in. I'm like, this, this is going to be pretty good. Andrew's not the kind of guy to uh, carry rain gear with him. You know, I, I don't I, own rain gear. You know, you know if, I, if, if I knew it was going to be raining, I'd carry some rain gear. You know, I'm just going to get wet like a man. Well, well, That's what I told Jacob Myers up in Tennessee two years ago. Did you carry? Where is it? Year, a little over a year ago. I'm just trying to, Hurricane. Yeah, what about it? What about it? You were like, I got to get this rain gear. I was, you keep oh, me dry. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's like, there's, when it rains, you're, you're just going to get wet. And if $500 you're, if, to get wet. If you're not getting wet from the rain, you're getting wet from the sweat. That's true. That's definitely true. So I, I start walking in. I'm wearing a t-shirt. I'm wearing short sleeves. And I brought my my hoodie. It's like the that first light. Um, Klamath or whatever. Cal- Kiln? No, it's not the Kiln. It's the Kiln. Cl- Klamath. Um, it's their like grid fleece thing. It's very warm. Um, I'm super happy with it. But I walk in, man, I get soaking wet. I mean soaking wet. Literally, me and JT were sitting there talking at the trucks. We get suited up. We like fist bump. We're like, good luck, man. And I turn around, I take three steps, and the bottom just falls out. I'm like, great. So I'm walking in and it's like raining pretty good. And I walk all the way up this SMZ and and that bluff line, I get to that bluff line and I gotta climb up this thing. And that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. I mean, I almost fell off it two or three times. And it's not like falling off a cliff where you just fall into dead air and for like 100 feet. It's like falling down 100 feet of stairs if you fall off. And I almost fell a couple times because it's like broken rock, like big sheets of rock the size of that wall right there with cracks in between them. And you got to like walk up those cracks to get like up the hill. And it's a really tall hill. Almost fell a couple times, but the access was perfect because the wind was kind of at my back, but I stayed down in that bottom. And so my wind wasn't getting out of that bottom. So I was totally clean getting in. And the bottom is so steep, they're really not, they're crossing it. They're not spending time down there though. They're eating up on the the higher elevation stuff. Like that's where they're feeding for the most part. Um, So the the bottom's like just total classic, like negative terrain, Josh Driver term right there, episode 141. So uh, I'm walking in based on all that stuff, climb up the bluff, everything's looking good. And um, I hit the SMZ before daylight, get up my tree, and (laughs) I get up the tree. And it gets to be like 645. It's getting close to daylight, and I'm like wet, and I'm not really cold or anything. And then that, you know, this cold front's rolling in. That first breeze hits me. 14 mile per hour wind I was like uh oh <laughs> and that's when he knew I messed up <laughs> okay so I'm like tree surfing you know cause it, I mean it starts the wind starts blowing and it's like you're you're just sitting there and then it starts blowing and it blows you way back here and then it brings you back forward and then it brings you back I mean like I'm like wo- rocking back and forth I put my hoodie on and everything I'm trying to stay warm and I'm it's like seven a.m. I'm sh- I'm I'm balls out shivering. I mean, I'm like like shivering big time. This is when uh, having rain gear might play a factor. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, because you, you could have stayed dried and then also get the windbreak. Well, no, because I can't walk in with the rain gear on. Well, I, I would have just sweated because it was still like sixty three degrees. I would have sweated. There's no way. There's no way you could do. You. There's no way you could walk in like I walked in and not sweat wearing rain you gear. Sweat, but you ain't gonna be soaking wet. 
Yes, you will. If okay. you sweat, All right, might as well wear a contractor bag. I'm telling you, dude. Anyways, I was cold. It was freezing. I should have brought the uncompog, uncompagre, the unpronounceable. Un- uncompadre? I should have brought the unpronounceable jackets. That, that That's my favorite jacket. Like, it, it's it's a great jacket for sure. Uh, I should have brought that. But yeah, no, I was just cold. Um, Super windy. About 8.30, the wind kind of died a little bit. And as soon as that wind died, here comes a mature doe. And she comes down the SMZ. And I wasn't going to shoot her. Um, I did confirm with my mom and my sister. They both want a deer, so it's on. <laughs> Those ain't safe anymore. But So I wasn't going to shoot her. And I, and I was like, I'm going to prove to Jacob and Michael that I can pass those. <laughs> so this, <laughs> this doe comes walking out, and I'm like, I'm just going to watch her. And... Uh, <laughs> Man, you talk you talk about some freaking uh, some words of encouragement. I was gonna show Jacob and Mike that that uh, I, I could pass it down. If you would have told us if this was a bet, like I would have bet it against you. Like absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like, like never no in my, my never in my you know never in, in any years I'd ever expect Andrew to pass a mature doe no. with a bow in his hand. Never, oh, yeah. especially opening day. Like she, what kind of she's all Jenny Long muzzle coming through? Yeah, she's a good doe. Um, yeah, she came through and it was real windy and the trees were whipping around and she was like super spooky. So, I mean, she was like on edge. She was still, you know, putting her head down and eating and everything, but she was very, very on edge. And then the, the wind would die and she would calm down and she'd be totally fine. And then that wind would just like, you know, big push of wind comes through and just whips everything around. And she would like tense up like she was about to take off every time it happened. So I just watch her, and she gets, like, right in my lanes and everything. I get to watch her, and, and she eventually moves off into the thicket. And she had been gone for a, a one-minute tops. And I hear something, and I kind of look over my left shoulder, and here's a spike at, like, five yards, just walking right by me. I'm like, oh, please be in a bachelor group. <laughs> and he just he moves past. I actually drew on him for practice, um, and he got past me. So that was kind of that hunt. Um, I was going to wait till I was going to sit till noon that day as well. That's the same day you killed the bear and you called me and I was like, man, this rain came through. I think I'm going to take advantage of this rain because the rain stopped like right at daybreak. So I was like, this is a pretty good opportunity. I'm going to go ahead and get down, go get in the truck and I'm going to go cut some tracks and go check all like the saddles at crossroads, check the trail crossings I know of and see what moved because any track you find, I knew that any track I found was a daylight track for sure. Like they'd came through that morning. Uh, so that's what I did. I, I ended up getting down, walked a bunch of areas, walked a food plot that was just beat up with tracks. I mean, all in Wait, it. Like fresh tracks? Oh, yeah. From mm. since Yeah, since the rain stopped. Um, the food plot up on top of the hill right there. So a lot of tracks in that. Went and got in the truck, drove around, found a bunch of tracks. Um and then kind of got ready for the next day. Next day, next day, I kind of did the same thing. Went to JT's house before daylight. Me and him kind of strategized where we wanted to go. And there's these two SMZs off the road that we like to hunt off of. And um, one of them, me and you both hunted last year. I, I went in there, scouted it, saw some does, put a camera in there, and then uh, had a decent buck on camera and a bunch of does. You went in a little later, missed a coyote, and... Uh, and then there's an SMZ across the road that it kind of connects with. And there's, and Michael, you had the camera right there on the road, uh, where it was like hidden in that like brush pile watching the actual road. 
And there's always been like tracks right there. There's a big trail crossing the road. So I was telling JT, I think they're crossing that. And the way that we were going in to hunt it, the wind, if he wind bumped anything, it would go to me. And if I walked in and bumped anything, getting in the tree or walking in, it would go to him. So we kind of went in that way. And uh, the morning was super, super still. I went right to where I've seen deer in the past, you know, kind of working around this hill, uh, specifically does. And I got in there and it was pretty dead until 8.45 or so that morning. And uh, I just hear like the slightest sound behind me. And again, I look over my left kind of behind me and, and here's a doe at like 25 yards. And she had fed up, kind of snuck up on me. And she was just kind of browsing around. And she was in front of me for like 15 minutes probably. I mean, it was a pretty long time because she kept stopping. There was three other or two other does behind her at like 50 or 60 yards that were working to her. And she was waiting for them. This doe, man, she was beautiful. She was like real dark colored, real dark colored doe. Uh, darker than you normally see them around here. She was like that kind of like dark chocolate color. I mean, she was like dark, darker than any deer I've ever shot, like noticeably darker. And she had that black streak on her back, which I love. Uh, it's pretty common around here. And uh, she she keeps getting closer and closer. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot her because mama wants a doe. So <laughs> I'm going to get her a doe. Great excuse to shoot a doe. And she's right next to the road. That's one of the reasons I went there. Cause I'm like, if I see a doe, it's on. <laughs> so she's, she's feeding towards me, feeding towards me. And, uh, she keeps getting closer. And, but so do the other deer that are behind her. And I'm like, mm, I don't really want them to get close. Cause it's going to get hard to draw on her and not get busted. So she gets closer and closer and she's feeding right towards me. And there's this big Oak tree in between me and her. And there's a, I mean, a slight, slight little bench on this hill where it's pretty steep and it just barely flattens out a little bit. It's not flat. It's just not as steep. And then it gets steep again before it goes to the creek. And she was just working that little bench right around. I mean, this bench is like as long as this table right here. And uh, you could see where all these white oaks and chestnut oaks are on the hill and the acorns are falling and rolling down onto that bench. And she's just going through and she's smelling around and she'll like, she's, (laughs) <laughs> she's looking around at the chestnut oak acorns and not eating those and only eating the white oak acorns, which are a lot smaller, harder to see. And she's like, you could see the the chestnut oak ones because they're freaking enormous. And she's not eating any of those, which is kind of interesting. But she's working towards me, and I think she's going to get in between, or I think she's going to go on the other side of this big oak. I'm like, mm, if you go on the other side of the oak, you're in trouble because they would cover up her head and give me a perfect shot. Well, she doesn't do that. And there's a cedar instead. And by this time, the second doe is kind of worked up and she's kind of in the open. And she can kind of, it's, it's not good. I'm getting to where I'm like, oh, this isn't a good situation. Because you don't want that many eyes in front of you. And uh, Were they eye level with you? The second one, she was not eye level, but she was close enough where it, it was uncomfortable. Um, so the, the doe I'm trying to shoot, she swings, she starts swinging behind me. There's a cedar tree right there. And she goes behind the cedar, and I'm like, okay, I, like this is my chance. Because the third doe was coming in, and she was eye level with me. Or very, very close to eye level. So I'm like, if she gets in here, I'm not going to be able to shoot any of these. So I jerk the bow back. Well, doe number two busts me when I jerk the bow back. And she just bounds off. And the doe I'm trying to shoot, she just sits there and looks. Uh, and so I'm like, okay. And I, I kept my cool and everything. Uh, she was at 15 yards, and I got a 10 and a 20 pin on my bow. And I'd settled it, I mean, just floated it, like, right where it's supposed to go. And I didn't even think about her dropping, and that was my mistake. 
And so I let it fly and it hit. I heard it hit. And it didn't sound, it wasn't like, like I said, it wasn't that like deflating sound with the lungs. You know, you hit them in the lungs and it just sounds like a bass drum or something. And it, it, and there was no bone crack or anything. It was just like a very not exciting sound it made. And she's, she tears down the hill. I thought, I, at my first thought was like, oh, I smoked her. Cause she goes to turn down and run down the hill and she like falls. And I'm like, she's done. And she gets, she gets back up on her feet and she's halfway down the hill and she starts blowing as she's running. I was like, oh gosh. I mean, like fat. She's like, <laughs> every step, dude, she's blowing. She jumps across the creek. Gets up to the other side and stops and blows at me for like forever. It feel I mean she kept, she blew for minutes on end and J- to the point JT texts me he's like you scare those deer <laughs> and uh, and I'm like she's sitting there blowing I'm like well I didn't hit her in the lungs <laughs> obviously so yeah I, but, yeah when you sent the picture uh, to the group message yeah I was. I think I was headed home from work. You just said, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> like, when I saw the fletching, I was like, oh, that's meat. No. A lot of meat. Not good. No blood, man. I got down. I couldn't find my arrow at first. And I was like, oh, crap, my arrow's stuck in this thing. And I found it. It was right there at the shot site. It was just like a weird angle. And, uh, yeah, just meat on the fletchings and hair on it. And I was trying to figure out the hair for a second, but... Uh, I, I just left the arrow right there, and I kind of tracked her. You could see where she went tearing down the hill. She kicked up leaves, zero blood. I could, I could also. It took a long time because it was hard to follow. But I could, I found her track going across the creek to where she stopped and started blowing, and uh, just nothing, no blood, not, no blood, not even where she stood for a couple minutes. So I'm like, yeah, she, obviously she's fine. Uh, I mean, I looked for probably an hour and a half, and. Uh, Went went back to the arrow, and this is what confirmed it for me. I said she had that black streak down her back. The Fletchings had jet black hair on them. So she, what had happened, I, I held, you know, if, had she not ducked, I held fine. But she ducked the arrow really hard, and I just hit her right kind of upper back strap, that quote-unquote no man's land. So it happens. But, hey, I, I'm feeling pretty good, though, because that's two hunts. And I had deer within bow range twice, so I'm feeling pretty confident. But you got to find some bucks. Yeah, uh, I'm glad y'all had good hunts. Yeah, um, <laughs> I missed out on that cold front. Working man, saving these COVID patients, working understaffed. It was a lot man. of fun. Had a good time. <laughs> You're doing it again this weekend, and I'm doing it again this week. And it's gonna be four shifts in a row this week. Oh, ooh. Yep. Ooh. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night. So, mm, but on the flip side, I do get to go to Missouri next week. But I will tell you this: I feel so ill prepared this year. Um, like I, I mean, I haven't even climbed up in a tree this year. I've hunted two times off the ground, two afternoons. I've spent, you know, a handful of hours in the woods and. uh yeah, um, I think it's going to take the full length of that trip just to even get my groove back. Hey, man, I don't know. Maybe look look at it as a positive. Maybe you're just starting totally fresh. You just go in there and start on a good note. Yeah. Got to have that confidence, man. Confidence, bro. Confidence. Yeah, boy. Awesome. Any final thoughts? Uh, 
man, I'm excited for this weekend. Hopefully something happens. I'm I'm feeling pretty confident, you know. We gotta cook some bear meat. Yeah, cook some bear meat. Uh, we don't have enough memory on this SD card to read reviews, even though we got a couple of them. So we're gonna save them for next week. Y'all make sure y'all get out there, uh, especially on these evenings. Uh, we should be coming in that evening time period, especially with that cold front. According to the moon phase. According to about? the moon phase, uh, overhead underfoot, because what we had a full moon yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the time the weekend gets here, it should be prime for some four or five o'clock in the afternoon feeding. So. Yep, y'all make sure you're out there for those evenings. Sweet. I'm excited, boys. I'm excited. Congrats, Jacob, on your bear. Appreciate it. Surprise. We ran out of memory on this uh, card, believe it or not, while we were were recording this. I know it was kind of a rookie mistake. Uh, Really, the last thing we were going to say was, um, again, don't forget about the Patreon giveaways coming up, and we will be reading reviews on the next outro We've got a bunch of reviews to go through, some really hilarious ones, some really cool ones. Uh, if you haven't already, please go leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we will be sure to read that on the show. We read all the reviews on the show. Have a really good time doing it. Really appreciate everybody who leaves those. Um, and, guys, that's that's going to wrap this one up. Good luck if you're out in the woods hunting this week. Hope y'all put one down. Make sure that you write in with your listener success stories as well. We might share it on social media or try to get you on the podcast for a listener success story. So appreciate it again, guys. Good luck this week, and y'all stay safe. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it, you're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.